This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight we've got a fun show for you today boy you are in for a treat if you are listening to the radio turn the volume up if you are listening to the podcast then make sure you can listen for four hours of uninterrupted attention because this is going to be one for the books in fact uh, i'd give you a second to call a friend or wake your spouse and tell them to start listening as well. We're going to have some fun today. We have two of my favorites coming up in just a few minutes, Corey Windelspect and Amy Burser. If you know who they are, you know why you should be listening. If you've never heard of them or don't remember why they're interesting, then trust me, you just got to listen. We'll do the AC report coming up in the three o'clock hour, and we will discuss everything from religion to Christmas to uh, cream cheese to aliens, you name it. We're going to get it all in there. But it is such a pleasure to follow Dominic Carter on a regular basis. You know what? Dominic Carter is honestly one of the smartest media personalities when it comes to New York politics. The guy knows not just New York politics, but New York policy and journalism better than anyone. And one of the things that I think that's led to is the audience that listens to Dominic Carter from 12 to 1 every every weeknight, which you should be listening. They are incredibly well-informed when it comes to politics and policy. And the, and it's no dig on the rest of us. Uh, Rita, myself, the early news, Bernie and Sid, Kilmeade, uh, Greg Kelly, everybody knows their stuff and everybody has very informed listeners. But I don't think there's an audience better informed than Dominic Carter. So – I'm betting that there's still a lot of Dominic Carterites that are listening to us right now, and that's where I need your help. This week, I published an op-ed in City and State, which is a, uh, a political publication in the New York area. You can read it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fan, and I listed the Republicans that I would like to see Eric Adams support, uh, appoint to various positions in his administration. And you could read it. Facebook.com slash Morano fan. I'm not going to go through everybody now, but um, there's some people that I feel very strongly about that could be an asset to the city. And look, Eric Adams was a Republican for many years. Adams was a Republican longer than Curtis Lewa was. So what I thought it might be interesting to do is give you an opportunity to make your wish list for the Adams administration. Tell me who you would like to see Eric Adams appoint to various positions in his administration. Or if you don't have specific personalities in mind, tell me what you'd like to see Eric Adams do. Could be anything. You could say, I'd like to keep, uh, I'd like to see him uh, reform alternate side of the street parking. You could say, I'd like to see him keep Rikers Island closed uh, You could, or, uh, or keep Rikers Island open. You could say, oh, I'd like to see rezoning of Soho and NoHo. You, whatever the case may be. Something that a mayor can do, because I actually was informed this week that there are some people very close to Eric Adams that are actually part of the transition team that listen to this show every day. If you could believe that. I said I was surprised because I was such an avowed 
Curtis Lee was supporter, they said, that's all right. They find you entertaining and they like to hear what the loyal opposition has to say. So I want to invite you to call 1-800-848-9222. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven open lines. And for the next 10 minutes, maybe 15, if you're interesting, I want to make our wish list and I'm going to give it to the Eric Adams transition team. I know some people on the Eric Adams transition team, and chances are, as I said, a lot of them are listening right now. What do you want to see Eric Adams do? It could be policy. It could be personnel. It could be style. I mean, try and treat this seriously. Try and give me specific proposals. I don't want to hear something like, oh, my suggestion is for Eric Adams to take a long walk or off a short pier. My suggestion for Eric Adams is to go suck an egg. I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear specifics, solid policy proposals, solid personnel proposals. 800-848-9222. Let's kick things off with Jimmy in Brooklyn. Hello, Jimmy. Hey, Frank. Hey. Good morning to you. Morning. Uh I just wanted to make a, a quick suggestion. Uh, I think you would agree with me. Let's see. Uh, I think the first thing on January 1st or January 2nd, whatever that day may be. Well, it's actually – I want to point that out real quick. I want to hear your suggestion. But he actually did postpone it to the evening of January 1st because January 1st is the Sabbath, and he wanted to be respectful to Jewish New Yorkers and have it have his ceremony after the Sabbath. You know, I wasn't aware of that, but uh, I think that is a proper way to uh, – kick off the uh, the new year, so to speak, uh, on his behalf. But let me hear your suggestion, uh, Jimmy. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, getting If he gets together with the uh, newly appointed police commissioner, uh, the number one and first thing they have to do, and this is not uh, speculation or anything, this is something that must be done. They have to re- install the anti-crime plane mm. closed unit. You know, I don't know, must, it's, it's Jimmy, a, I, I agree with you. don't do that, Frank, it's, it's, it, the, the crime rate is simply not going to go down because the bad guys have nothing to fear without uh, them guys. Jimmy, I happen there. to agree with you, and I don't know if you heard yesterday's show, but you know who else agrees with you? I asked Rudy Giuliani what Eric Adams should do. Rudy Giuliani said the same thing. So you're in good company with Mayor Giuliani. He's on the same page as you are, Jimmy. Thanks for the call. 800-848-9222. Sean's in Brooklyn. Sean, what's your suggestion for Eric Adams? Well, I mean, I like Mr. Adams, but uh, I mean, the fact that he worked in the police department, really, uh, I I don't know if he had a lot of credentials in there, if he was out there fighting crime. But anyway, to the point, I mean, you you have to have accountability. I mean, this soft nonsense. um, uh, Oh, we'll we'll help them. And it's so. So give me a specific give me a specific suggestion. Well, everyone always says, oh, she threw them in front of the or the person throwing them in front of the train. Oh, they must have mental illness. No, they're a criminal. People need to wake up. So and say, you, oh, okay, your we, suggestion we is criminals. what, Sean? Criminals only know one thing, punishment. Right. If you don't punish them. And again, them, remember, you're, yeah. he still has to deal with five DAs that he doesn't control. He also has to deal with the bail reform law and other things. So that's why I want to focus on things that a mayor can actually do. 
Uh, now, we got one. We got one from Jimmy. He said, bring back a street crime unit. That's one. And also, if there's things beyond policing, if you have suggestions related to education, uh, COVID, health care, transportation, you name it, uh, I want to hear your suggestions. 800-848-9222. Drew in White Plains, give me your suggestion for Mayor Eric Adams. I think he should put Ray McGuire, definitely a deputy mayor, um, Ray McGuire is a legend on Wall Street in general, and they're both moderate African-Americans. I actually think, believe it or not, I'm starting to feel more and more like you and Curtis, which is not a good thing. I feel like Eric is everything to everybody, so I'm very curious as to what type of mayor he's going to be. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Like now, uh, well, so this is an interesting suggestion. I wrote it down. Do you have a specific deputy mayor role that you would uh, give McGuire or just in general a deputy mayor? Would he be deputy mayor in charge of, say, public safety, as Philip Banks is going to be, or education, no. or get any specific specification there? Well, I would like to see him deputy mayor as far as the budget. Uh huh. So, so maybe he'd be better off as budget director. Budget director, but I also uh, the reason why I want him as deputy mayor is because of his connection. Interesting. So I can't think of a deputy mayor exact position, but I would think okay. um, anywhere where he could be the number two guy because McGuire does have the positions. And I talked to a lot of financial guys and a lot of guys on Wall Street. I didn't even realize. Um, and to be honest with you, he was my first pick, All right. but I didn't realize how much of a legend he really That's is. That's a good one. Okay, Deputy World. Mayor Ray McGuire, thank you, Drew. My pick for budget director was Nicole Gelinas. I wrote that in my city and state op-ed. 800-848-9222, your suggestions for Mayor Eric Adams. Or any mayor, but this is the mayor that's coming in, and it's a mayor whose team happens to listen to this show from time to time. So we're making a list. So far, we have reinstitute the street crime unit. We have put Ray McGuire in as deputy mayor. We have Sean's suggestion about just general bring back accountability. See, do you see how unhelpful a suggestion like that is? Because how do you suggest, how do I put that on a piece of paper? Here, accountability. What's he going to say? I don't want accountability. Come on, give me specifics, guys. Let me say hello to Steve in Bethpage. Hello, Steve. Hi, good morning. Um, you were I asking for picks for um, Mr. Adams' administration. Uh, I believe that uh, there's Mr. Cranston. He's a, he's a Brooklyn guy. He's second or third generation uh, New York City correction guy. Uh, he would be an excellent pick to be commissioner. You know, that that um, is, a, you're talking about Mark Cranston? Yes. Yeah, Mark you know, Cranston, I actually yes. know Mark Cranston, and I actually think that's a brilliant pick, and that's one I agree with 100%. I'm putting it down. Mark Cranston as commissioner of the Department of Correction. That is a brilliant pick, Steve. 800-848-9222. Mike in Queens, what do you have for us, Mike? Yes, I have a suggestion. Uh, we call, delis can't have a cat in the basement to keep away the rats and mice. If they were allowed to... They have to pay a $500 fine. They were allowed to. Less cats would be euthanized. The federal government allows bodegas to have a cat in the basement. So allow so cats look into that. Allow cats so, in the basement of, of delis and bodegas. No, bodegas can have it. They're covered by the federal government. The federal government allows it. If New York City doesn't allow it, if a deli gets caught with a cat in the basement, they get a $500 fine, even though they're trying to keep away the rats and the mice. I love it, Mike. I think that's great. I love it. That is a great uh, way of rodent control. It's a great way of uh, keeping cats alive. 800-848-9222. Stuart in Forest Hills, what do you have for us? 
Yes, Frank, I have a good suggestion. Um, I'd like to have Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, immediately get rid of the bike lanes in Forest Hills along Queens Boulevard. It's harming small business. I know a number of businesses that have been greatly harmed or went out of business. It ruins the parking available. There are no bikers, hardly any bikers. I watch all day long along Queens Boulevard and Forest Hills. They were just put up some months ago, that green pavement. Get rid of the bike lane along Forest Hills and Queens Boulevard. Right. Okay, that's Stuart, I, I don't know that neighborhood as well as you do, clearly, but I'll put it down on the list. If that's, uh, you know, again, I, I, I imagine there's a contrary view in the community, but I'll put it on the list. 800-848-9222. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Frank, this has to do with education. Mm. I think since he's appointed the new commissioner who said he's going to expand gifted and talented programs and keep the specialized high schools. I'd like to see them talk with parent advocates. I'm thinking in particular of the group Place NYC, and its leaders include the likes of Maud Marin, Yatin Chu, and, and Vito Lambella all friends of mine. Just curious, and, uh, John, and I love the suggestion, but just curious, as an edu- as somebody that follows education closely and that's a, a very, very big advocate for specialized high schools, what do you think of the appointment of Banks as the new school's chancellor? What do you think of that pick? I, If he says what he said when he uh, spoke accepting the position in, in terms of listening to the Asian American community, praising them for their hard work and getting their kids motivated and using them as example for all New Yorkers, regardless of their ethnic background or, or creed. Uh, if he sticks with those words, then I'm very encouraged. All right. Okay, well, John, we'll see what happened. I'm putting it down on the list. Talk with parent advocates. 800-848-9222. Uh, let's get in. We'll get in five more. You know, you know what you should do is, if you can, rank what you think are the five best, and we'll go to those. Let me begin with Brian in Manhattan. Hello, Brian. Brian! Yes, Frank, good evening. Good, good. Frank, I have a few recommendations. First, Rikers Island, keep it open. Okay. Second, reverse the city mandates for the vaccine that uh, de Blasio implemented as of uh, to go into effect shortly. And thirdly, do a random order, audit when he takes office uh, of the mayor's office and find any missing appropriated funds that de Blasio and his wife took from the police department, which he's trying to strengthen and to gain those monies back because there was monies missing. All right, Brian. Okay, uh, keep Rikers open, reverse the city mandate for vaccine, and a random audit of missing money. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Dara, calling from upstate New York. Hello, Dara. Hi, Frank. I've got three of my top, and I think Adams is in a unique position to transform the NYPD. First of all, he has to restore discipline and training in the ranks. The command presence of the NYPD has taken an awkward turn in 2020, and I think he needs to restore that. We can have directed patrols on the street, like a street crimes unit, without the uh, Eric Gardner abuses. We so can have improved training among both the rank and file and supervisors in the NYPD? 
Yes, I think, you know, the fish rots from the head down. I don't think that NYPD has had the discipline and the training. I do believe that the um, that needs to be restored in in that that kind of iron fist from the top needs to be restored. But in the most benevolent way possible in that medium. Now, Adams is really good at striking the medium and kind of playing both sides. He may need to do that between the unions and what's good for the public Mm. right now. My second is quality of life, okay? And I don't mean the quality of life um, uh, back from when Giuliani times. That was way too far, way too far to the right. The the abuses of uh, COVID has abused our streets, right? When the police aren't out there and things aren't running normal, um, the hooligans will take over. He needs to get that back in check, and that's the, and that's tied to discipline with his ranks as well. And the and well, so uh, I'm I'm not I'm not clear on what I'm putting down as the suggestion. How what specifically about quality of life, and how specifically should Mayor Elect Adams improve it? Okay, so. When you, when you, when someone New York City thrives upon tourism, and when someone comes off a train or gets on the streets, especially downtown when everything is exposed, and and sees bums and crimes right in front okay. of them, got it. So horrible conditions. Maybe uh, do away, make uh, make doing away with the streeted homeless a priority in order to bring back tourism. It's not just the homeless. It's it's criminals, criminals on the street. And I right. think command presence, those old fashioned. OK, and give me give me one more, Dara, because I want to try and squeeze in a few other people here. OK. And the NYPD recruitment has to represent the city. All right. Well, I, you know, I, honestly, I, I, from what I see, it does. I was in a police precinct yesterday and I do think, look, this is a majority minority department. I do think that the department is representative of the city. That's from what I've seen. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. We'll do a couple more here. Al in Manhattan, your suggestion for Mayor Eric Adams. Hey, Mr. Rana, how are you? Good. Uh, what I was going to do is this. Uh, try to we have so many hundreds of neighborhoods here. Uh, let's utilize some of those libraries. Have one day a week where part of the library has, guess what, representatives from uh, sanitation. You have an issue with that. Uh, uh, this, uh, you know, everything should be, be able to be addressed from that way. You see what I'm saying? I, well, I think so. So just let me make sure I want to flesh out the suggestion. So one day a week, the local library is sort of your one a representative yeah, it's, every department. It's every your agency. one stop as a as a as a New Yorker. Correct. It's your one stop Correct. for getting getting services. Yes. And check this out. How about this? We got seventy eight precincts. Let's build like in NASA where you have like a little booth. Everywhere in every neighborhood, maybe two or three larger, smaller like like precincts, and then maybe six or seven smaller ones. Every subway platform should have a cop. There's four hundred and eighty six uh, stations. Let's have one. Guess what? Yeah. Every station, there's a cop there, always. Yeah, Al, I really like your first suggestion, especially. I do wonder, though, with 61, or excuse me, uh, yeah, 61, thereabout, community districts um, in the, throughout the city, maybe it would be better to utilize the community board offices for that purpose. But and then because a lot of New Yorkers don't even know about community board and maybe that would be a lot a way to get a lot of New Yorkers involved in the community board process. We'll do uh, we'll do one more here. Jay in Brooklyn. Hello, Jay. Yes, sir. Well, I agree with that. The call up also from Brooklyn. Let's get the training. What? I Jay, I, I'm sorry. Your phone's all screwed up. but I don't want to w- make you our last call. Larry in Brooklyn. Hello. 
Yes, hi, Frank. Okay, first, the policy is you have to make New York City more of a commuter-friendly city, okay? You cater to the people taking public transportation first, and you marginalize the people that have two or three cars, and you even tax them, okay? So are we talking congestion pricing? Congestion pricing, more bus lanes, Okay, right. and cracking down on the MTA and preventing them from slacking off right, to make New York City more commuter friendly. Obviously, the congestion pricing suggestion, that's something that would require state approval, as Mayor Mike Bloomberg found out the hard way. Hey, here's you know, you know what? It was interesting that I heard nobody mention not a single person mentioned make New York City the cryptocurrency capital of the world. Although if you listen to Mayor Eric Adams, that's that's what he wants to do. I was listening to him yesterday. And he was going on and on again about cryptocurrency, crypto, crypto, crypto. Well, the people that love crypto are really into crypto. I was talking to one guy recently. He said crypto is not only the future and the present. Crypto is digital gold. Now, my question to him was, and he didn't really have a good answer to this, was if you if you're investing in digital gold, why not buy actual gold? That's my advice to you, uh, because if you see what's going on with inflation, you are seeing the price of everything go up. We're going to talk dog food in a few minutes. Even the price of dog food is going through the roof. Uh, I mean, shopping in general is just going to the dogs. So what can you do about it? Legacy Precious Metals is a terrific company, and they have a lot of great strategies to help you invest in gold. If you have an existing retirement account, think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. And if you do that, think about doing it with legacy precious metals. Gold really should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio. Gold, silver, other precious metals, they do better the worse inflation is. So unless you think the inflation problem is going to go away in the short term, I would seriously consider adding some gold to your portfolio. Give them a call. 866-932-0635. Write this number down, please. 866-932-0635. Or you can visit the website LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you go onto that website, they're gonna, you can request some information for free. If you do that, they're gonna ask you how you heard about it. Tell them you heard about it from me, Frank Morano. We're gonna be back in just a moment with Corey Windelspect and Amy Burser, two of my favorites. I suspect they'll be two of yours as well. This is the other side of Midnight Straight Ahead. Because he laughs so funny He's so jolly and so fine When he comes around Christmas time The great Brenda Lee I'm going to lasso Santa Claus This, I'm very proud to tell you is a Frank Morano Christmas music pick. Uh, two weeks ago, our acting program director, uh, Matt Meany, asked all of the hosts here, said, give us your top 15 holiday songs. This was absolutely on mine. We're in a very festive mood here on WABC, certainly on this radio program. And whenever my thoughts turn to Christmas, my mind 
immediately turns to one of the great saviors <laughs> of Christmas of all time, at least in our area, uh, the man who has done more probably since the ghost of Jacob Marley, to save Christmas than anyone. Uh, and that is Corey Windelspect. Corey uh, is joined by his uh, longtime companion, Amy Bursar. We're going to talk about Amy in a little bit. They also happen to be friends of mine. Hello, Corey. Hello, Amy. What's Hello. up, Frank? How's it going? It's going well. Uh, now, Corey. Yes. People may not recognize your name immediately, although I have been informed uh, that um, there's actually a, a documentary coming out about your exploit soon. They actually interviewed me for it. So for people that don't know your name, after this documentary, which everybody's already talking about, they will know your name. But you sort of catapulted to fame about two years ago uh, when you would drive through the Holland Tunnel around this time of year and observe the Christmas decorations. Now, explain... To folks, and maybe we can add Kevin when we edit the video some some visual images here. But um, explain to folks what the Christmas decoration scene was two years ago, prior to your intervention. Well, if anyone's driven through the Holland Tunnel before, it's there's a big sign that says Holland Tunnel. It's gigantic and granite. And in the word Holland, there was a wreath over the O in, in Holland. And then in the word tunnel, there was a wreath over the U kind of matched up. Makes and sense. And then in the middle of the, in the middle of the word Holland, there was a Christmas tree over the letter N, which kind of made it look like a Yankee symbol almost a little bit. Right. Right. You're right. And, yeah, it did look like it, a Yankee yeah, symbol. So it it's got kinda, the NY kind but, of. And it wouldn't, that would, wouldn't be so bad if directly next to the tree was a letter A that, Looked exactly like a tree. So I would sit in traffic, and this went on for like 10 years. This wasn't like a one-year thing. I would drive through this thing every year and go, why Why would I do that? It's it's right next to the, to the A. Just move it over. So, again, I want to reiterate for our many, many listeners on radio, and including people yeah. who don't live in the New York and New Jersey area, the Holland Tunnel decorations was they'd have an, a wreath over the O, a wreath over the U, and then they'd have a tree that looked exactly like an A over the N, and it was it was annoying. It, it was frustrating to watch. And then every the worst part is there's nothing more frustrating than that tunnel to begin with. Uh, it, the the traffic just backs you up constantly. So that sign is so big, you'll sit in traffic for forty minutes staring trying to get, it. and it's staring at you. And the longer you're in traffic, the more annoyed you get as you get closer to it. So you decided to make this your cause. You posted a video to social media. Yeah, it got uh, a lot of local media attention, and uh, the port authority. Which is not known for their responsiveness to anyone or anything, including governors and presidents, they immediately sprung into action. What happened? Well, I would say they immediately sprung in. They, it went like almost like a week for, for Port Authority. Yeah, for them, yeah. It was. <laughs> it started off slow, and then, like, within. Once the New York Post got involved, and then if you're a Budweiser, like put messed up decorations in their brewery on right. purpose right. just to try to, uh, they actually won a Webby Award, and I was invited, which was kind of BS in so my the, opinion. Wait, the Budweiser folks, they did a whole advertising campaign inspired by your exploit, yeah. and then they didn't invite you. And they to won the Webby. a Webby Award. That's outrageous. And I wasn't invited. That to is go, outrageous. Yeah, right. And I, I didn't I get any free beer. Now, I hope you're not drinking Budweiser anymore. Uh, no, no Bud Light right, seltzer, good. nothing. I'm done. Uh, well, you know, they, well, they, we're going to talk about the Bud <laughs> seltzer a little later. All right, so what happened? Uh, yeah, so once they actually acknowledged me, they decided to put it. They never called me directly. One of the news people called me and said, hey, they're, they're going to release this statement tomorrow. So I didn't know what was going on. And by the way, you're messing with the Port Authority. is like a 
just a, a nobody, you start to go, hey, these guys got a little power. What's going to happen here? We think yeah. the Port Authority is going to have you whack? Yeah. They have their uh, own uh, <laughs> secret police force? Well, what's funny is enforcing I, got, I, got of, I got a lot of friends who are cops. and like Was Amy cautioning you at the time? <laughs> don't, don't mess with the Port Authority. I got a lot of friends who are cops. My one buddy called me like, dude, they were like talking about you and like they all hate you. So like if you get pulled over right now, you're probably screwed. Everyone knows your name. The, uh, the people that are working at the tunnel are like they're, they're, they they already had like memos going out. If you're there taking pictures, like don't approach me, don't get involved with them. Uh, I want to state for the record yeah. that I have nothing but uh, respect for the men and women of the Port Authority. Yeah. And uh, back in uh, 2008, I was uh, helped when I ran out of gas in the Lincoln Tunnel by a great Port Authority police officer named Felix. So Felix, yeah. if you're out there listening, thank you. So they uh, released a poll which. Basically, they wanted everyone to vote, and they released four different outcomes. Leave it the same, move the tree over to the A, uh, take move the tree over to the A, and then take the wreath off the U, which I thought looked horrible. And then the final one was like way out of whack. It was like add a tree to the A, keep the tree on the end, take a U. Who knows what the last one was? And what ended up happening was it they put the vote up. And they got like some kind of like fifty thousand votes. Wow! In this yeah, thing. I voted. And so Rick Cotton, who was the head, head head of the Port Authority, great guy. He, when they were doing the uh, press conference, he made a statement. We passed a six billion dollar budget. We had four responses, but for a Christmas decoration, we had like fifty thousand. Mm. So it just shows like kind of where we are in this world, you know. So ultimately, uh, what did they do, decoration? So what they did was option three. And they moved the tree from the N over to the A, and they took the wreath off the U and tunnel, and now it looks worse than it did originally. So have they kept it? The, the changes that you caused two years ago, have those been yeah, in place they, since then? I literally have ruined it for everybody, <laughs> and I think they – here's the thing. They can never change it now, right. and it looks horrible, but right. they can never change it right, because that's what now, the people voted for. They got the excuse. And They're, again, I don't want to get on my high horse here, but and and you could if you Google uh, Corey Windelspeck, you could see video. And I brought this up in previous interviews, and I don't want to belabor the point, but this is a textbook example of why we need ranked choice voting. Because what happened was the people that wanted the tree moved to the A, they split the vote. Yes, and they allowed this this option where the tunnel, the lettering and tunnel, just looks naked. Yeah, it right looks now. like it's not finished. That's right. <laughs> So just, we'll see. All it right. looks if you if you're driving through the Holland Tunnel and you see it, just you can laugh at the. But at least we don't have to deal with the a over yeah, that's the, the tree over the. It's, end it's a perfect the... anomaly in my life. It's yeah. just not finished, disheveled. It looks horrible. Fair so, enough. So yeah. you 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 took a poor Christmas decoration display and you made it even worse. <laughs> yeah, pretty. That's much. your claim to fame. <laughs> my well claim done. to fame is making it look ten times worse well than done. it was to begin so, with. So ultimately, yeah. every Christmas uh, for the last two years, they they bring you out. This is sort of like you're I'm like, like the local Mariah. Carry at this exactly. point. <laughs> this is your season. Yeah. This is your season. You, Eggnog, and Mariah Carey, yeah. you get together. I'm this like, time oh, it's not going to come up again. Like, the Daily Show posted it again this week. So, so it was like, you know. And now, last year, when we spoke to you for your, your annual 15 minutes of fame, yeah. you were very critical of the tree in uh, Rockefeller Center. Yes. Uh, you said it was sort of like a giant Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Yeah. Have you evaluated this year's tree? I haven't even seen it yet, to be honest with I you. See. So I don't even know. Last year, what, I think what happened was they you know they people don't realize that they when the tree comes up they got actually they add branches to the trees and i think people were just taking pictures of it before that happened last year i and see it, you know i see and the fact that they kidnapped an owl last year certainly didn't help so you, you remind remind <laughs> us what happened with that owl they, the owl was in the tree what they, happened they 
cut the tree down and they wrapped it and an owl was in it. So when they were unwrapping this tree, this owl just like flew away. So they kidnapped an owl from upstate New York. Do we know what happened to that owl? No, I think it flew away. Oh, boy. Jeez. Uh, Well, we have a lot of night owls in our audience. All right. We're going to come back to you. I mean, you're welcome to participate in my conversation. (laughs) But I I have some other questions related to non-Christmas related issues a little bit later. Now, very, very pleased uh, to welcome uh, actress, model, dancer, and the the founder and owner of Three Paws Kitchen, uh, Amy Bursar. Uh, Amy, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? uh, It's good to see you. And uh, again, you, you... you cautioned me before we went on air not to ask any questions about your relationship with, with Corey here. Is that because you guys are doing sort of a Desi and Lucy kind of a thing? You have to maintain the 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 facade of a relationship to the public for your joint public image, but in actuality, you've been living separate lives for a long time? No, we're actually, what's hilarious is we're, we're, we are very much together. But we're both very... I see how disappointed you look. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, such, <laughs> such sadness. Did you, that was like, a, I had hopes and dreams was, growing up. That was the kind of look. And I want to encourage people to watch the video on my Facebook page a little later at Facebook.com slash Morano fan. That was the kind of look where a, a woman who's beautiful, talented, uh, creative, and intelligent, she's saying to herself, this is what my life has become. <laughs> We're very much together. I aimed for the top. I landed in the middle. I'm okay with that. I'll take Fair it. Enough. I'll take the Fair middle. Enough. All right. The, okay. Know. So no, we'll hold off on relationship questions. Um, I get enough from his mother. Fair enough. Okay. Now, you are uh, an expert when it comes to the preparation of dog food. Uh, I remember last year around this time, we had on uh, Robin, television's Burt Ward, television's Robin, Burt Ward, and he was touting his dog food, and then a lot of the people that had tried your dog food said wait a minute wait a minute you were giving all this attention to Burt Ward you really need to try Amy Bursar's dog food from Three Paws Kitchen and sure enough you went on the uh, Bernie and Sid show and uh, this 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 dog food just exploded tell us what is Three Paws Kitchen what makes your dog food so much better than what everybody else is doing well, our dog food it has no preservatives it's all whole foods it's all natural it's all human grade. So it's anything that you and I eat every day because dogs have been proven to live longer being fed whole, fresh foods. So the uh, conventional wisdom a lot of the time has been don't let dogs eat human food. You mm-hmm. dispel that. Yeah, a lot of people do now. Everybody's jumping on the whole food trend. Now, um, people can see the images uh, at uh, threepawskitchen.com. That's P-A-W-S, kitchen.com. Or go to that Instagram account, threepawskitchen. And these are very, many of these, very ornate, uh, very majestic-looking birthday cakes for dogs. Mm-hmm. Is there a big market for birthday cakes for dogs? You know, what What actually happened is during the pandemic, uh everything kind of shut down and all my dog food sales kind of dried up. So then we were actually living upstate with his mom and his mom actually taught me to bake and it was my dog's birthday. So we made her a birthday cake because what are you going to do during lockdown? You're bored. So we made a cake. And And, and so give us an idea of the ingredients that might be in a dog food birthday cake. It's all natural ingredients. It's eggs, it's yogurt, it's whole wheat flour, olive oil, 
just all good stuff. So it could just as easily be a human cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Corey, you help with this uh, this this business venture, this the baking, the anything. I've uh, I've done a lot to this thing. I believe I I I, I don't want to take thunder, but I I think I, I create a lot of these creations that you may be seeing in a few minutes. I think I had a big hand in helping that. Well, let's have a look, Amy. What do you yes. have for us here? So I do have one of my birthday cakes. Oh, boy. Okay. That I brought. Oh, this is a nice looking cake, and I'm more of a pie guy. Yeah. This is a, a black and white. It looks like a mini. It looks like either a large cupcake or a, a mini uh, tart uh, with um, with do- black dog bones over what looks like white chocolate. Now, what is actually in this? What are, what are we eating? This Dogs is- obviously can't eat chocolate. No, they can't. But this is our peanut butter and banana cake. Oh. And it's covered with fondant, which is a human ingredient. And it's just a special treat for their birthdays. And it's something that just started on a whim during lockdown. And it actually, it took off like wildfire. And dogs can eat it. Yep. Dogs can eat it. Humans Humans can can eat eat it. it. Cats can eat it. I sold them to a Vietnamese potbelly pig. (laughs) Wow. Uh, People can eat it at 3pawskitchen.com. They can order it on there. Um, So can we try some of this? Yes, of course. This Um, is actually the smaller cake, just so you know. This is for like a smaller dog? Well, we have have very very few dogs (laughs) at the the radio station here. We have a lot of people that act like dogs from time to time. All right. I'm going to try this here. I'm going to give... A very brutally honest <laughs> review here. Now, what you're not going to be tasting, there's not a lot of salt. There's not a lot of preservatives yeah, well, in it. So, yeah, Whether yeah. you're a human or yeah. a dog. Like, yeah. I have to tell you, this is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is the best dog food I have ever eaten. <laughs> right? It's so At good. At least today. This is great. Um, what's it like starting a business or continuing a business during a pandemic? It was, you know, we started right before the pandemic happened and we were so gung-ho and it was going great. And then lockdown happened. And then I was like, oh, God, did I make poor choices in life? Because everything just came to a screeching halt. Another poor like, choice in life. Yeah. Yes, at that Well, point. all my acting jobs dried up. Like I was bartending, too, and that I lost my job bartending. And then I was like, oh, God, what do I do in my life? And I just made this birthday cake and I posted it on social media and my friends loved it. And they were like, oh, make me one. And then I put it on Etsy just for, you know, shits and giggles. And Ooh. Ooh. yeah, I got I got I got you. Right, go ahead. Wow. Well, go ahead. I got you. You go. And <laughs> some people started buying it and then more people started buying it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have something here." And now it's like people are throwing these huge birthday parties for their dogs. Do other dogs show up or do humans usually show up? Yeah, everybody shows up. People are bringing like lots and lots of dogs. So we got cakes that we can get at threepawskitchen.com. What else is on there? All sorts of treats. I have a lot of New York themed treats. We have New York pizza pretzels. You're kidding. Yeah, when you think of New York, you think of iconic things like we have the best pizza. Do you do all the baking yourself? I do. Wow. I am. How much much baking do you do in a given day? (laughs) Oh gosh. I work all day every day. I'm a one-man band, so I work all day. Well, I know with the with the explosion at threepawskitchen.com and all these people ordering, why don't you expand and get a, uh, hire more staff? I'm trying. I'm really trying. I I'm looking for I'm looking for employees. So. All right, they can reach you through threepawskitchen.com yep. if they want to do that. Yeah. Now, um, whether people get your dog food for the holidays or or not. What are, what's a nice way that they can give their dog a treat for, say, Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve Eve? And um, what's a way that – what's something they should avoid? What can you give your dog or even your cat and what's something they shouldn't have? 
Well, you can give them Three Paws Kitchen dog treats. We have special Christmas edition treats. Uh, a lot of stuff that you eat during the holidays, you can give your dogs, but like the turkey, if it's not cooked with seasonings or like covered in gravy, you can't give your dogs gravy because there could be onions or spices that could upset their stomachs. You can't give them like your, you know, like the, the dressings, like a lot of people do the, uh, the stuffing and dressings. Those always have onions in them and that kind of stuff is bad for dogs. But you can give them like the steamed vegetables, mm-hmm. like in the turkey, like you get the bag inside with the giblets. You can steam those or lightly bake those and give those to your dog as a healthy treat. There's lots of great stuff that we can all eat together. Well, threepawskitchen.com is the website. I have to tell you, it's delicious. If you guys want to try some of this as well, I don't want to be the only one um, sampling this peanut butter dog cake. Uh, What are these? What's this you have here? Well, we always are testing out new treats, Mm -hmm. and we test on humans. And that's how we figure out what's good stuff. But do humans and dogs have the same taste buds? Well, a lot of the stuff for dogs is a little bit blander because there's no added seasoning. Sure. There's no added sugar. It's it's all just regular foods. But we always just try to eat it just to see if, you know, we can share. Now, when Bert Ward was here, he was saying that if you got his dog food, it was specifically geared for larger dogs, that dogs would live a lot longer. Can you give any sort of guarantee like that, that dogs will live a lot longer if they eat your dog food? You know, since we switched our dogs to whole foods and natural ingredients, our dogs, it's been night and day, the difference in our dog's health. Our dogs went from, we have one dog that has pancreatitis, went from throwing up every day to he hasn't thrown up in months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so how many dogs do you have? We have two. Two, okay. And they're both on a strict whole food yep. diet. All right, well, I like this. All right, you guys, can you stick around? We'll cover yeah. some other ground when you come back. All right, Amy Burser is here. You can check out threepawskitchen.com. Uh, they're not an advertiser, so I have no financial interest in telling you to go purchase them. But uh, they they did go on the Bernie and Sid show, and uh, millions of people ordered this product. So for bragging rights, I wouldn't mind if we had a similar bump, just so I could say to Sid, hey, you're not the only game in town here at the, this radio station. When we come back, uh, we'll we'll talk uh, we'll talk some human human treats as well as some dog treats. Amy Burster is here, and Corey Windelspeck. Uh, if you want to call in, we'll try and squeeze in some of your calls as well. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. WABC. Many of you have aging parents that were affected during the pandemic when nursing homes took in COVID patients. Most New Yorkers mistakenly believe that former Governor Cuomo mandated that nursing homes take in COVID patients. That's not true. The state only issued guidance to nursing homes suggesting that they admit such patients. Even after the guidance was rescinded, nursing homes continued to admit COVID patients into their facilities. All in all, approximately 16,000 residents in long-term care facilities facilities died of COVID in New York State. If you or a loved one contracted COVID in a nursing home, you may be entitled to financial compensation. The law firm of Krenzel Guzman Herbert is working hard to make sure that you get justly compensated for your suffering. Know your rights. Pick up the phone now and call 212-227-2900. The KG Law Team at 212-227-2900 or email the KG Law Team at kglawteam.com. Empire Outlets, it's New York 
York City's only outlet shopping destination. With a giving tree near Nordstrom Rack, November 7th through December 21st, come grab an angel, help a family in need for the holidays. Steps from the Staten Island Ferry and New York City Fast Ferry, it's between Richmond County Ballpark and the St. George Station. Go to empireoutlets.nyc. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC, where the action is. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. That's Mariah Carey singing that Christmas song that she's so well known for. I, I, can we be honest? It, the song is a little overrated. I mean, it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. It's festive. It fits the holiday. But, all right, do we need to make this a, such a big deal every year? Let's relax a little bit. You take that Brenda Lee song of lassoing Santa Claus. I will hold that up to Mariah Carey any day of the week. But it's apropos that we're playing it because uh, we are talking with uh, Corey Windelspecht. And Amy Bursar, Corey Windelsbeck's claim to fame was changing the decorations at the Holland Tunnel. They got slightly better and much worse. And uh, Amy Bursar is his uh, longtime companion. She is uh, the proprietor of a terrific, terrific company that uh, makes dog food treats. And humans can eat it, too. I just tried it as well. And uh, they also happen to be uh, friends of mine. Now, Corey, in addition to your work assisting Amy and writing this, uh, you know, this Christmas 15 minutes of fame. You briefly during the pandemic were hosting a hard seltzer show, right? right? That was a pandemic type show. That's yeah. over. It was a limited, uh, well, limited series. Well, it's still in a series. What, what happened was I think it started as a goof and then people started like watching it. And then before I realized, I'm like, hey, this could actually. And then sponsors started calling me and sending me things in the mail to try. And I'm like. In the beginning, I'm like, why does anybody care? It's me and my brother on a boat being being morons. But people seem to enjoy it. So it kind of started to spread a little bit. And then obviously this summer ended. It's kind of a, a summer thing. I see. Well, and we'll then to be back. honest with you, the seltzer explosion seems like it's dying out because every brand had to come out with their own, which is part of the reason this thing started. It was more of a goof of like. How many seltzers can someone possibly make at so, this point? Uh, you're not going to bring back the Hard Seltzer Show. No plans to do that at this point. Who I mean, knows? We've seen revivals of Murphy Brown. Yeah. We've seen revivals of uh, Will and Grace. We've seen a lot of uh, X-Files, right? It could, it could be three point, season 3.0 could be coming out maybe in April this year. We'll uh, find well, out. Well, so for those of us that like Hard Seltzer, yeah. and I came out of the closet recently as somebody that consumes Hard Seltzer, what is the best Hard Seltzer well, in your opinion? White Claw. You can't beat it. It's, you're People right. People are going to try it. They're going to probably beat it. It's, it's number one. And it, the thing about them, I'll give them a lot of credit, and I, I don't know if they sponsor anything, but no, I'm no, just being serious, yeah. just being honest with the situation. All the other seltzers, like truly, they started to come out like fruit punch, all these other like things that branch off, and they're terrible. They're very fake tasting, aspartame tasting. White Claw branches out, and everything they do is gold. You're right. It's, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. Even some of the, the White Claw iced teas, the iced, you tried yeah. those? If they, yeah. they don't taste fake, they're, they're right. really well, good. Give me a number two. Number two. So a number two would be, uh, it's called Vizzy, but it's actually made by Miller Lite. Mm. Uh, so they really should call it Miller Lite Seltzer. I don't know why they went in the name Vizzy, 
It's a very underrated one. I think it's like a, a hard number two for you. And uh, Coors Light Seltzer was really good, and they discontinued it. So, well, f- fair enough. Now, Amy, you and uh, Corey came uh, came over recently to our home uh, for uh, for ping pong and libations, and uh, I uh, actually, unfortunately, put the the uh, sparkling cider that you brought in the freezer and it exploded. So uh, oh, no. Rachel never got to drink it. Aww. But um, as Met fans are used to saying, wait till next year. Um, <laughs> but what I cautioned you privately about is I see the kind of sales that you're getting and I see all the baking you're doing. I told you that I thought your prices were way too low and that you weren't making enough money. Have you taken my advice at all and raised your prices? I did, yes. Oh, good. Because, you know, with inflation and everything else, right, with my right, cost. Exactly. And, you know, for a long time, I was just so grateful that people were buying my products mm. that I, I, you know, I started this for fun and, you know, lift people's spirits. And, you know, now that I'm working all the time and things are costing more and more money, I did have to raise my prices. You should also do a, a and I'm not joking about this, a dog cookbook. I think people would really like that. I Never thought you of should that. do that. I'm, yeah, I, <laughs> throw me on the dedication page. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now. Uh, I did come across uh, this article on celebpie.com about you, and uh, oh apparently, <laughs> apparently, it not only says that um, it says that you are a secretive single millionaire wow. <laughs> between the ages of thirty-eight and forty-four. People, That's I'm not making this up. Rude. People can look this up at celebpie.com. So, um, what is the, now? They also say that your interests include jumping rope. <laughs> Running and yoga. Now, one, are you in fact a secretive single millionaire? Is this your way of breaking it to Corey here? And number two, are those, is that an accurate depiction of your interests? Um, first of all, I'm, it's very rude what they said about my age. I'd hate to think I look 38, uh, I, 44. Well, I was going to say, maybe Goodness. healthy eating will do that. You, I mean, you look yikes. younger. Um, I have not, nor will I ever jump rope. I'm not sure where that even came from. I've never jumped a rope. You can tell us. It's okay. I I mean, no. I've done yoga exactly like once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where people get these things. But I guess I am a a secretive millionaire, apparently. Well, congratulations on that. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny. I don't know where they get those those, uh, that kind of information. There is a website. I'm not going to list it because I want to bring more attention to the things that they say about me. But there's a website that lists all sorts of things about me. And it actually says that I have a sister named Stephanie Morano, which I don't. I have a mother named Stephanie Morano and a, a sister named Claudia. Uh, so you could imagine how uh, – where do they pick that up, that, that my mother's name was my sister? So uh, I don't, don't believe everything you hear on the internet. That's the, that's the lesson. Yeah, because I definitely don't like to jump rope. Or do yoga. <laughs> or do yoga. All right. Fair enough. You could come clean. You could come clean. Uh, the um, Are we going to see the two of you at uh, New Year's Eve this year? I believe so. I think so, yeah. Oh. Invitation right. well, is forthcoming. Yes. Well, okay. Oh, we'll yeah. discuss later. All right. You're going to discuss off-air yeah, We might be out of town. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Dog food convention. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Or, ski- or skiing in Utah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing for Christmas? Uh, well, Christmas, we go upstate New York. So it's, it's funny. We're, we're from the same town. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of weird because we literally grew up 15 minutes from each other and never met each other until living down in New York City. So well, that's it's wild. kind See, of a weird, yeah. Well, where town were you from? Well, I'm originally from Schenectady and he's from Latham and they're literally like, there's no right. such places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're right next door. Yeah, clearly you guys yeah. give off a, a vibe, a, a Latham slash Schenectady <laughs> yeah. vibe. 
Yes. Right. Uh, well, that's 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 nice. There's now, a lot of things coming out of Latham, New York. Trust me. What, like uh, what? Give me an example. Nothing. 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 There's okay. a Latham Circa Mall that's like decrepit, and you know, it's uh, at least Schenectady. We have GE. That's true. That's true. Schenectady. I, I think there's a lot to be said for Schenectady. Ooh, okay. No, you don't agree? Okay. Well, I like Schenectady. I'm on record as liking Schenectady. Now, Amy, what do you have here? This looks exciting. And you have another, is this a dog treat? Is it a human yes. treat? Is it both? These are new dog treats that we're testing on humans. And these are mac and cheese bites. Oh, I am a huge mac and cheese fan. A yes. big mac and cheese enthusiast. So I'm going to have to try one of these. Yes, go for um, it. And we'll, what, what, this is real macaroni and cheese. It's real macaroni. It's got cheddar cheese in oh, there. Oh, my goodness. It's Parmesan on top, or it looks like Parmesan. Those are breadcrumbs. Oh, breadcrumbs. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a Parm- Parmesan impersonator. I'm going to try. Yeah. Uh, it's a, talk amongst yourselves for <laughs> a second. There's a little well, bit of olive oil in there. So you're trying this for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you're doing this before we even test it on a yeah. dog. The, this is great. The- <laughs> Again, I haven't even tried him yet, so. This is great. This is a lucky yeah. dog that gets to try this. <laughs> Give us the website again. It is threepawskitchen.com, and that's n- the number three. Three, P-A-W-S, kitchen.com. All right. Well, this is very, very good. I didn't even know you could give your dog macaroni and cheese. Yeah. I always picture them not being fond of dairy. Well, so, we talk about like a cake or something like that. It's not something you want to give every day. It's yeah. a treat, right? It's not like the dog food where that's what you're given every day. Mm. Uh, it's but for a treat, that's the it's a different situation, right? You okay, know? so you would give this in a treat. Like type. a dog can't yeah. live off macaroni and cheese, yeah, right? No, but, you, well, I, just I mean, like I, myself. I, yeah, I could live off, live off <laughs> macaroni and cheese easily. Yeah, easily. this isn't a meal replacement. It's just a nice little treat to give okay. your dog from time to time. Fair, enough. but do you on threepawskitchen.com? Do you sell? Regular conventional dog food that they mm-hmm. they can't so that you can yep. get your treats, your yep. birthday cakes, and just regular regular dog stuff. Food, yep. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. You can learn more about Amy Burser at amyburser dot com b u r s o r dot com. And acting wise, you're not doing anything acting wise these oh, days. Oh no, I still am. What I are you doing? Am. It's starting to creep back. I have a couple of commercials that are airing. I have an episode on Blue Bloods that was airing. It. It's it's coming back. If they do a uh, a film version of this this documentary that they're doing about Corey's story, maybe you can play yourself as the I, you unsupportive did, longtime companion. They did interview me, and I maybe I'll make the cut, or maybe I'll end up on the cutting room floor. Well, it, hopefully it's uh, <laughs> it's not a Bud Light situation or Budweiser situation where they don't invite the two of you to the to the rap party. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for this. Uh, there's there's also some some uh, pretzels here that are meant for yep. dogs. Uh, you could check it all three paws kitchen and get website one more time is threepawskitchen.com outstanding all right Corey and amy hopefully i will see you on new year's eve eve even if you guys can't make it we are going to use the ping pong paddles that you gifted young carmine yes for a ping pong tournament on new year's eve eve oh, awesome so we're getting a lot of use out of that the kid didn't even protest when i when i asked him he kind of he looked half asleep to be honest when i brought it up all right well thank you this has been a lot of fun last time you guys were here you brought um hard seltzer i couldn't help but notice you did not do so this time around. well i i wanted to because usually i'm drunk at two in the morning so uh but i just figured i'd try to be on my a game for you you know um so there's no hard seltzer on the panel. I might have snuck one in the car on the way here, really? but we don't have to talk but about none that. But none for the rest of us. I'm very selfish. selfish. Fair enough. Okay. I, I, can, uh, <laughs> I can understand why Amy rolls her eyes the way, the way she does uh, at you. All right. Thank you both very, very much. Appreciate it. Thank All right. you. Uh, well, speaking of Christmas, it turns out 
No one is religious anymore. We will tell you exactly why that's the case and explore your calls, your comments at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And don't look now, but some new documents released as it relates to the John F. Kennedy assassination. We'll tell you what they say and what they don't say. We have the AC report coming up at 3.30. And um, they don't want homeless people at Popeye's. And a lot of people seem to be upset. So far, they don't include any homeless folks, though. All right. Still to come, uh, we have an a, a action-packed show for the next three hours. Don't go anywhere. Our phone number, 800-848-WABC. You can find me on Twitter, at Frank Morano. That's Frank, M-O-R-A-N-O. Or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MoranoFan. And uh, in the words of the great Bob Barker, it seems appropriate uh, with, uh, with Corey and Amy and all this dog food here to remember his immortal words to help control the pet population. Make sure you have your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. I feel like I do this story every year, and every year this story is still true. The share of religiously unaffiliated Americans nearly doubled over the past 15 years to 29%. That is according to a new study out this week from the Pew Research Center. Christians of all varieties make up 63% of the adult population. That is down from 75% a decade ago. So most of the increase in what Pew calls nuns, people that don't have a religion, comes from the decline of Protestantism. 40% of U.S. adults are Protestant. That is down from 52% in 2007. So what does it all mean? What do all these numbers mean? The religiously unaffiliated are no longer crowded in coastal cities. The religiously unaffiliated, people that don't have a church, the unchurched, they're everywhere. They are spread across all regions, all age ranges, ethnicities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. Now, a common reply when asked, what's your religion in this country, is none. None. And my question for you is why? 800-848-9222. Why have we seen such an explosion in the religiously unaffiliated, which goes hand in hand with a significant declination in Christians, namely Protestants? That's the question. A question... Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. So this survey was out Tuesday, and the fastest growing group in these surveys are people who describe themselves as atheists, agnostics, or, quote, nothing in particular. So the nuns, as it were, now constitute 29% of American adults. What does that mean? 
That's up from 23% in 2016 and 19% in 2011. So the question I have for you is why is America losing its religion? Is this the church's fault? Is this the uh, fault of families? Is it uh, the maybe more people be believing in science and being less receptive to religious messaging? Elizabeth Drescher, who is an adjunct professor at Santa Clara University, who wrote a book about the spiritual lives of the nuns, said if the unaffiliated were a religion, they'd be the largest religious group in the United States. Think about that. The largest religious group in the United States is people that say they don't have a religion. So in addition to why, I'd love to know your thoughts on what you think this means for the country. Is this a positive? Is this a negative? Or is this neither a negative nor a positive? So and whatever your answer is. That's fine. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm certainly not a the uh, the most devout churchgoer in the world. I go when I can. It's been tough the last two weeks with a new son, uh, but uh, I'm eager. I wish I went to church more, but uh, I go when I can. I by no means a daily churchgoer. My Aunt Camille, she goes every single day, but there are fewer and fewer people like my Aunt Camille. Why? And what does it mean for our country? What do you think? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Chris is in Mount Vernon. Hello, Chris. Hey, what's up? How you doing, uh, Frank? I'm well. Thank you. Okay. Um, listen, you mind if I just read off a list of books? Um, I've decided that, you know, it's not a good idea to bring up a religious argument, but simply to present um, a logical conclusion you've drawn from facts that you've gained from people who are more scholarly and um, better well-read. So you, so want, to, you, don't mind, you want to read a read list, list of books? books? All right, let's see I'm where this goes. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll indulge you. Go ahead. Okay, the first is called The Encyclopedia of Ancient Deities. All right? And it's by a guy named Charles Russell Coulter. Okay? Uh, the next one is called Bible Prophecy, Failure, or Fulfillment by a guy named Tim Callahan. Uh, the next one is called uh, Secret Origins of the Bible by the same gentleman, Tim Callahan. Uh, the next one is called Who Wrote the Bible by a gentleman named Richard Elliot Friedman. Uh, the next is a book called The Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan. And uh, probably the last one, and I think and the most important in my opinion, is uh, it's called The Almanac of Evil. And it was written by a Catholic deacon named Frank O'Collins. So there's my list for you. And people can draw their own conclusion. But so, Chris, I, I'm not sure what conclusion I meant to draw from that list. I, I mean, what what does that list, now that I have heard it, what does that do to help me understand why we're seeing such an explosion in the unchurched, specifically in Christians? And it doesn't necessarily help me understand what it means for the future of American society. Well, if you read uh, the last document I quoted, it's called uh, The Almanac of People by Franco Collins. And he gives uh, what he says is uh, a history of Christianity from the time it was started in the year 44 
uh, right up until the resignation of a former uh, pope, uh, Joseph Ratzinger. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Chris. This sounds like some, some interesting reading on in there. I've certainly always been interested in the um, in the resignation of Pope Benedict XVI. I've always thought that there was some sort of Vatican conspiracy going on there, but that's just me. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Why has America, why is America losing its religion and what does it mean for the country? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it neither good nor bad? 800-848-WABC. Mary Beth is on Long Island. Hello, Mary Beth. Good morning and congratulations to you and Rachel. Thank you very much, Mary Beth. Appreciate that. And early Christmas gift. Absolutely. I hope you're all well. It's a blessing, right? Absolutely. Loving it. I'm glad, Frank. Um, This is an interesting topic that you're posing. Um, I consider myself religious, but I haven't been since uh, COVID. I haven't been to church, but I pray and I follow the rules of my faith. But I think a lot of people, I'll tell you in all honesty, I don't miss going to mass because most priests bore the heck out of you. Um, They don't reach out to modern day people and talk about things that people really want to hear in their sermons. And um, I'm just left cold. Um, I've been to the Episcopal Church many times. I find it more welcoming. Well, me too. Um, Me too. That's one of the reasons I have come to prefer uh, Episcopal services. But it's funny, the thing that you mentioned, uh, so were were you you Catholic, Mary Beth? Yes. So the, all the factors that you mentioned, the boring priests, the uh, services not uh, exactly grabbing you, those were all factors cited by the Catholic Church in this country as why they were losing uh, congregants to evangelical sects. But the interesting thing about this poll, this Pew Research poll, mm-hmm. is that even the evangelicals, even the Protest- or Protestant sects of all uh, varieties, they're losing parishioners as well. So I'm wondering if there's something broader at play here than simply people not wanting to hear a boring priest. Well, I, I also think that, you know, people want instant gratification and people also are constantly questioning if there is a God, why did he allow this pandemic? If there is a God, why does he allow war or children to die or suffer? And people, you know, they expect everything to be perfect. That's not what Earth is all about, but we have to do things and live our lives to help ourselves and help others and people just don't seem to get that anymore they really don't so whereas say in the 1950s when people were asking those same big questions uh why does a a a righteous god allow this and that the difference between now versus the 1950s which is when we had the most uh churched people in this country the difference Mm -hmm. is now society is one that promotes instant gratification and organized religion is not exactly great when it comes to instant gratification. Well, that's one thing. Um, Well, well, is that what you're saying? I'm trying to. Yes, yes. Um, And I think that's one of the problems. I'm trying to think of what some of the other problems might be. Um, 
I just think people are lost and they don't get the fact that if you believe in something higher than humanity, and I don't care, you know, you don't have to say the traditional God or whatever, but you have to believe in something more than yourself. And I don't think people understand that. Interesting. All right. Well, Mary Beth, thank you. 800-848-9222. Why is America losing its religion? 1-800-848-WABC. Gary is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Gary. Yeah, hey, how are you, Frank? It's good to hear your voice. Thanks, you too. Um, There's a couple of reasons. Uh, One of them is, as you said, the peak was during the 50s. Well, since the last uh, 70 years, what has happened is we've had more of an international exposure of organized uh, religions, uh, regardless of what religion it is it could you pick a name it can be any one of them and what has happened during that time is people from every religion has have noticed uh inner corruption uh lies interesting inconsistencies i was wondering if someone was going to raise this so you think maybe some of the scandals in the catholic church for instance have played a role in souring americans on religion well i'm glad you brought it up and if i remember correctly i think you are catholic too right am i correct Uh, yes again these days i identify much more as an episcopalian but yes i am catholic right so you know i was very careful not to offend anyone by uh, mentioning any specific category of religion. But that is a perfect example. I mean, that is the number one cash cow on the planet. Nobody makes more money than the Vatican. They own everything, you know, and that is public knowledge. I'm not, you know, uh, coming up with some pseudo conspiracy theory. I mean, it's in on any account book. Any Anybody can access that information, you know, and and so questions come up and then there's <clears throat> certain scandals and behaviors. We don't need to be specific or go into details because we don't have that much time. But then it, it's shaken the confidence and literally no pun intended, the faith of the people that attend. And this has happened across the board in any category of religion, any category, whether it's uh, Judaism, Christianity, and so forth and so on. So the fact of the matter is, over the duration of time, people consider themselves more educated with their own personal knowledge. But a great man of great esteem like yourself knows that if you are your own captain, then you're truly in great problems. You agree? Well, I do, uh, by and large. I'm curious, what is your what's your personal faith, Gary? Look, I was born Church of England, and I'm a perfect example of exposure. And if you allow me 10 seconds sure, before take I t- hang yeah, up. Sure. Yeah, I was born Church of England, okay, and uh, just a regular Anglo Christian. But during my journey, I started to uncover things that just 
didn't make sense. And the name kept coming up. Even Billy Graham said it. He said, we scoured the planet over and over. This was the 1966 Christian International Christian Conference. And Billy Graham said, we have scoured the earth over and over. And only one name kept coming up repeatedly. His Imperial Majesty Emperor Haile Selassie, the first of Ethiopia. And, you know, it was a name that I had, had been hearing as a, as a youngster. And throughout the years, I never took it seriously. Then I come to realize he is the absolute axiom, pivotal denominator in the Second World War. Really? And I'm thinking to myself, how comes we see all these war movies and we never hear about Haile Selassie? Then I come to realize how far Christendom actually goes in the region of Ethiopia, in places like Aksum and Lilabella. Hmm. And I'm saying to myself, how comes we were never ever taught these things in school and it goes on and on and on the truth of the matter is the ultimate detail to this people have lost confidence in faith in the church because they know they have not been educated in what is correct gary, and that's what it is gary uh separate separate has anybody ever told you that you sound a lot like ali g from you know from the from the sasha baron cohen show Actually, if you want to, if you want to be quite honest, if I if I can be honest, you just probably don't remember me. I've called you a couple of times. Yeah, no, I remember you. And uh, uh, what did we talk about? You sounding like Ali G? No, no. What happened was I I, I gave maximum big ups to Juliet Huddy because she's my secret crush, you know. <laughs> but anyway, what it is, I told you I'm from Brixton, London. I, I'm, my parents are Jamaican. That area is predominantly. Afro Caribbean, just like certain parts of Brooklyn. All right, really, well, uh, fair enough. And, uh, and, Gary, hang and, hang on one second, because if people don't, aren't familiar with Ali G, this is what Ali G sounds like. Here with basketball superstar Thomas Jefferson. Respect, Richard Jefferson. Cool, but you got into the NBA because he was the president's son, innit? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Thomas Jefferson. Him just made one phone call. In that White House, what's it called? The White House. Get me son in the NBA. No, no, no. no he can't play. No. Get- I, Gary, I got to tell you, that sounds like, uh, I, I feel like I'm talking to Sasha Baron Cohen. No, honestly speaking, he actually, that is a pseudo character from us. You know, from from guys from Brixton. A real I see, I see. So you're not, you're not emulating him, he's emulating you. Exactly, because okay. I'm 60. I'm a lot older uh, than right. Fair enough, Gary. Well, there's no telling how you sounded 30 years ago. Gary, thanks for the call. Very intelligent call. I appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Why, has America, why is America losing its religion? Now, I want to point out that it's not as if everybody that picks the option of none believes in the same thing. The nuns, and when I say nuns, I mean N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. Um, The nuns vary widely. According to the Associated Press, 30% say they feel some connection to God or a higher power. 19%, and these are the nuns, 19% say religion has some importance to them, even though they have no religious affiliation. About 12% 
describe themselves as religious and spiritual and 28% spiritual but not religious. So again, maybe this is not necessarily a bad thing because people don't want to sit through a church service. It's not as if they don't believe in a higher power. It's not even as if they don't want to pray, as you heard from Mary Beth there. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm making too much of this. Maybe this is not as significant as I thought it was. Tell me what you think. 800-848-WABC. Let's go to Bill in Toledo. Holy Toledo, Bill. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the, the subject of your, your religious topic. And also um, I want to uh, start out with a joke from to kind of follow your show from yesterday. What is the loneliest part about being an atheist? I give up. There's no one to tell when you're having an orgasm. <laughs> That's not bad, Bill. That's pretty good. Okay. okay. At, at any rate, uh, Toledo is the hometown of the, of the atheist Madeline Murray O'Hare, um, one, at one time one of the most hated women in America. But uh, at any rate, the reason I think everyone's getting away from religion now is like um, the story of the emperor's new clothes. You know, the little boy points out the obvious, and all of a sudden everyone slinks away. And I think that's why it's it's cascading right now. There's just no evidence for it, and people aren't feeling the need to continue. All right, well, but why is that the case now as opposed to, to say, 10 years ago? Well, the Internet, people are less isolated you know, the scandal with the, the church is not helping any matters. Any, you know, people are like, holy mackerel, why should we listen to a bunch of child molesters be giving us advice, you know, life advice when these these men are, you know, perpetual emotional uh, adolescents. Well, I mean, they're, again, they're, I, I, I even I think it's a very small percentage of uh, of priests that are engaged in that sort of aberrant uh, behavior. So I, I don't think I realize maybe you're being a little hyperbolic by saying, why should we listen to a bunch of child molesters or giving given voice to a theory as to why you think these religious numbers have gone down. But in actuality, you're not listening to a bunch of child molesters. I think Mary Beth's point was interesting specifically as it relates to the Catholic Church, you have a lot of American men who just simply, one, don't want to be celibate, and they don't want to be priests. So they don't become Catholic priests. So when you go to Catholic services, who do you see? You see African priests, Indian priests. You uh, you see heavily accented priests from different parts of the world. And a lot of all the priests you go to in church these days, they sound like uh, Ralph in New Jersey. Very tough to understand what they're what they're saying. So maybe that's playing a role. I think um so I don't know. Tell me what you think. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 Rogers in Massachusetts. Hello, Roger. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um well I I was born and raised uh Roman Catholic and then stumbled across um evangelical Christians. Very, very serious uh bunch. Uh, back you know, with the Jesus people in the mid-70s and everything, and which was when I finally first um, uh, saw the inside of a Bible. Okay, so my, to answer your question, I think uh, it's, it's a simple, maybe it's too simple, uh, as moral degradation, which, which has been going on for, you know, since, since forever, and... Uh, there's a scripture that says, give me neither poverty nor riches, 
poverty so that I don't steal and defame any of God, riches so that I don't say, well, I don't, I don't need God. Who is God? I don't need God. And I think that we've gotten quite spoiled, and and, and our affluence um, makes us makes people feel like, you know, who needs God? I mean, you know, they don't care whether God exists or not because they feel self-sufficient. And uh, although I would like to point out that I don't see how anybody can look at nature, medicine, the human body, and the universe, and and not believe that God exists. And uh, I believe that even Albert Einstein, at the end of his life, believed in um, um, intelligent design rather than just some chemical reaction. But I think moral degradation because of uh, you know our love and affluence. All right. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it very much. You know, it's funny. I, I said that I thought Gary from the Bronx reminded me of Ali G. I got an email here from a listener that said he reminded him more of Sebastian Gorka. Now, if you're not familiar with Sebastian Gorka, is what Seb sounds like. Advisor and supporter of Donald Trump's Make America Great Again. That's agenda. right, but you'll hear him. Sebastian Gorka wrote in his resignation letter, the individuals who most embodied and represented the policies that will make America great again have been internally countered, systematically removed, or undermined in recent months. Mr. Gorka's nationalist views made him an ally of the ousts of some of President Trump's more controversial policies. Mr. Gorka has drawn criticism for his views on Islam and faced accusations of links to far right. What you say in your resignation letter is true, that the forces who are against the whole Make America Great Again uh, move are in the ascendant, that people like you have been sort of frozen out and undermined. How has Donald Trump so quickly lost control of his own administration? Uh, look, the fact is that last year on November the 8th, Election Day, a scrappy bunch of insurgents won against nah, the I don't elite. Think, I think Ali G is a much better fit than uh, Sebastian Gorka. Again, nothing against Sebastian Gorka. But I think if you're looking to hire a Gary from the Bronx impressionist, you're much better off with Sasha Baron Cohen doing Ali G than Sebastian Gorka. That's my personal opinion. But if you are looking to cleanse your bowels, then the product for you is Life Change Tea. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com is a great product. Life Change Tea is a gentle daily cleanse that tastes great and works to get things moving. It's been endorsed by Joe from Ronkonkoma. It's no secret that stress wreaks havoc on our digestive tract. And if you're feeling stopped up and bloated, that's only going to have a deleterious effect on your health. Life Change Tea is all natural. It's non-GMO. One package will last you an entire month. Life Change Tea is only available by logging on to the website, getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. If you use the co promo code FRANK, you can enjoy some free shipping. That's promo code FRANK. While you're there, check out all the other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It is the tea that makes you go, but you must use the promo code FRANK. GetTheTea.com, promo code FRANK. Best dog food I have ever eaten. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC.
This is Dear Santa, Bring Me a Man This Christmas by the Weather Girls. Now, you may remember the Weather Girls. They did It's Raining Men, which was their big song. But for some reason, this song, which is a holiday classic in my household, we listen to this as we uh, trim the tree and put up the Christmas lights and so forth. This song is a staple on our record player. For some reason, this was not the same kind of a hit for the Weather Girls that It's Raining Men was. But listen to it. This is a classic. Great. 800-848-WABC. Long before he was squeezing down people's chimneys, Santa Claus was St. Nicholas, a Catholic priest that did his best to bring toys to people. And uh, these days, it's looking like religion is declining in this country. My question for you is why... Is that the case? 800-848-WABC. And number two, what does that mean for the future of the country? 800-848-9222. Bernie is in Connecticut. Hello, Bernie. Good morning, Frank. Congratulations on that new bundle of joy. Thanks very much. And if I have any chance of reincarnation, it would be what imprint I leave on my daughter, who graduates BU Law School in June. Uh, I'm an atheist, and I go to church every day at 9 o'clock. Well, the reason I go okay, there go is I love the community. I love the people. I like the architecture. I like the singing. I like pretty much everything about it, but I don't believe in fairies in the sky, so I just leave that part out of it. I go there. I think of my day, and I try to see, visualize what's the best I can be today. I try to visualize that. And then I go about my day trying to proceed along that plan. Does it work out always? No. But it's a great way to start my day. I start at sunrise, even though I'm an insomniac. Sunrise, I start with yoga. By 9 o'clock, it's a mile away from my house. I start walking up to church. It starts my day. Well, I think that's nice, Bernie. Look, whatever people whatever people believe they believe, that's nice. I think it's nice that you still go. I find that um, if you go to church regularly, there's a, a lot of positive things that come out of the lessons that are imparted in church, even if you don't believe in uh, an afterlife or redemption or anything like that. Uh, so. Exactly. Good for you, Bernie. I, I say good for you. Uh, two salute. 800-848-WABC. Hiram is in Goshen, New York. Hello, Hiram. Hello. 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 Yes. yes. I'm Hiram. I'm from Goshen. And I just wanted to <laughs> That's say. That's great. <laughs> and I just wanted to say that there's a huge difference between religion and faith. We run around making human laws and human rules and sit in pews and spout nonsense and make up things and wear funny robes, and it has nothing to do with our faith. Yeah, well, so I'm not saying it does have anything to do with, with our faith. I'm saying, I'm just saying, that, I'm just saying the reason that that, um, that survey is flawed is because they're looking at religion. That doesn't mean anything. Well, but it really it, that's what it's a survey of. It's a survey of how people identify with with a religion. No, I no, I agree. Except it doesn't mean anything. It's All like right. asking, okay, well then your, we'll what, find something else to talk about, Ira. 
So be it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Hi. That was Hiram and Goshen, in case you were wondering. 800-848-WABC. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, some interesting documents released from the uh, John F. Kennedy assassination. We'll get into that in uh, in just a minute. But uh, I, uh, coming up at 3.30, we'll do the AC report. Although, ironically, when we talk with Michael Traeger, today's panelist on the AC report, he is going to be joining us from Las Vegas. He's got a big event out there in Las Vegas. And there's a lot of interesting things happening in Vegas. The Hard Rock, which is owned by the Seminole Tribe, they have purchased, from what I understand, the world-famous Mirage Casino. I think that's the case. We'll get the latest from uh, Michael Traeger, who is always interesting to talk to. It's funny. My wife and I were at the opening of the Hard Rock Atlantic City. It used to be the old Trump Taj Mahal. And the same weekend, this is about three years ago, the same weekend the Hard Rock opened, the ocean opened, and they're, they're right next door to one another. We went to both openings. And it's so funny. One of the funniest is uh, for some reason, and I drive my wife crazy with this stuff, something funny gets stuck in my head and I just, I just, I can't let it out of my head. I have to keep joking about it and I have to keep making jokes about it. It's, it's almost like when a song gets stuck in your head and you find yourself singing that song all day long. What I do, and I, I you have no idea how much I restrain myself on the radio. I, throughout my day, I will keep just singing the song of that funny story. And such as it was with the Hard Rock. At the Hard Rock, they had this big opening ceremony. In fact, Bernie and Sid were there. Maybe I told you this story before. But Bernie and Sid were there because – and they did the show from there because uh, Hard Rock was a big sponsor at WABC at the time. Bo Deedle was there. A lot of people were there. And speaker after speaker was giving essentially the same speech. How great it is that we reopened and this and that. And they would all say the same thing. They would all begin by saying, and we want to thank the Seminole tribe, right, because that they own the Hard Rock. So my wife is standing, and she's not into any of this opening revelry at all, right? So she's standing there the whole time, and I keep telling her, so, honey, it's almost over. It's almost over. We'll get out of here. We'll go do whatever you want. We'll get something to eat. We'll get a drink, whatever you want. And um, the like, interminably long speeches continue and continue. And then the the what I think is the last speaker starts, and he says um, – First word that he said was, and again, this is after eight people had already said the same thing. He says, and I want to thank the Seminole tribe. And my wife turns to me and said, oh, well, absolutely. We got to thank them. And I just lost it. I just started laughing so hard. Since then, for the last three years, I make references to thanking the Seminole tribe all day long, all day long. All day long. It's funny. I'm driving my wife crazy with one of those now because um, my wife is on maternity leave and she's still waiting for a check from the state to, uh, you know, for two thirds of her salary or whatever you get from the state. So, you know, she's having a tough time paying her bills this month um, because she's still waiting for this check from the state. So my my son, Carmine, has gotten... All sorts of checks from even before he was alive. Dominic Carter sent a nice money order. So we've, we, we've put some money aside for him. 
So two days ago, um, my my wife says, and my son Carmine is like six pounds, 12 ounces, a little kid who can't even hold his head up straight, right? He, he sleeps, eats, and, and poops. That's the totality of his activities. Occasionally, he'll throw in a whimper. Sometimes he'll look like he almost is ready to turn over, but not quite. So there you go. This is actual audio of young Carmine, right? This is actually him. I don't know why this sounds fake, but it is him. It is. I remember when we recorded it. So anyway... So she's explaining to me um, a day or two ago about her financial situation. She says, well, you know, I'll tell you – she's telling my mom and me, I'm going to borrow – I may borrow some money from Carmine and just return it to him when I get this check back. So I just start laughing. I said, uh, said, well, how do you know – how do you know Carmine – how do you know Carmine wants to lend you that money? And then – and then – I reference this now constantly. It's driving her crazy. Every time this kid is crying, I go over to him and I said, oh, son, don't worry. Mommy will pay you back the money she's borrowing from me. Whenever I'm consoling him when he's crying, I said, oh, don't worry. If mommy doesn't pay you back, you know where she lives. Now, it's so funny to me that I'm ascribing the characteristics of a, uh, a, a, of a belligerent lender to a child that can't even hold his head up. And and she's just done hearing about this. That is not Carmine. I know my sons cry. That's not Carmine. So that's that. Uh, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment on the religion situation. Susan is in Brooklyn. She's been waiting patiently. Hello, Susan. Susan? Susan! Ah, we lost. Oh, my gosh. Hi. Susan, where were you for the last 20 seconds, Susan? Um, well, just, I, I forgot that I was on hold. I was just listening. Oh, okay. All right, good. All right. Although hopefully that means the, we, we had to, we, we're doing something that captures your attention. Very much so. Um, well, I, I am Catholic, and uh, I'm like you. I, I go to church, you know, sporadically, but, you know, I do the rosary and all this stuff. Um, and I just had a deacon um, at my church that spoke about how um, to be to be a believer, you have to believe in the supernatural, and that the Holy Spirit is there's like prayers, and He is our or you know the Holy Spirit. I don't even want to say the gender is our um, uh, our. Um, belief system to pray to uh, because there is a supernatural that is the invisible universe that is is a um, scientific actual um, uh, you know that's the uh, science of relativity from Einstein so there is this invisible universe but you have to believe in it and then it will align with you so I think that a lot of people just are too um, practical. And they think science, 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 and there's no science to supernatural. But so it's it's two parallel um, universes that that people need to just. I don't know if the word study is right, but you know. You, so, you need Susan, to, I, I guess what I'm not clear on still is why. So many more people 
are turning away from organized religion and labeling themselves more as unaffiliated? Because I think that, you know, social media and the Internet and there's just too much crowding um, the important um, values and uh, that's just crowding out religion. Okay. All right. Fair enough, Susan. I'll take it. Hey, by the way, speaking of the holidays and religion in general, whether you're religious or not religious, this time of year, we do like to reflect and realize how blessed we are and how you can make a difference. And that is exactly what this radio station is doing. We are teaming with Cohen Children's Medical Center, a proud partner of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for our third annual holiday radiothon for the kids this Friday, December 17th. All the money raised stays right here, benefiting the children and their families in this community. This year, you can give the gift that has meaning. Money raised is going to be used to improve life-saving care and equipment, pediatric research, child life services, and more. So you can download the 77WABC app and listen to hear more about how you can help this Friday. But you don't have to wait until Friday. You can text HERO to 51555 and donate today. Join Cohen Children's Medical Center and WABC in making a difference for the holidays. So, President Biden and the U.S. government have released nearly 1,500 documents related to the Kennedy assassination. May I say it's about freaking time. So I spent a good portion of the afternoon combing through some of these documents. And I'm going to spend more time over the weekend looking them over. And then come next week, I have a series of experts telling you what's in these documents and what's not. But we'll give you a preview in mere moments. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. It's baby's first Christmas It's something to see Mommy and Daddy Trimming baby's Christmas tree Baby's big brother Is busy uh, That's Carmine's reaction to hearing Carmine uh, Connie Francis. I like Connie Francis. It's very rude, Connie. All right. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. So I have to give uh, President Biden, who I've been quite critical of, some credit. He has done what the previous president did not do. He has released nearly 1,500 confidential documents. Now, the National Archives, and uh, they released these documents yesterday. They released the files uh, via their website and political scholars, believers in a wide range of conspiracy theories. They've been pouring over the documents. Many of these documents relate to Lee Harvey Oswald. Many of the files also reference tensions between the United States and Cuba, evaluating statements from Castro 
that allude to the possibility of Kennedy being in danger due to escalating aggression between the two nations. So the National Archives explained in a brief statement on their site that the institution was processing previously withheld assassination-related records to comply with Joe Biden's memo of uh, memo to do just this. So there's still a lot that's redacted. There's a lot of unanswered questions about this assassination. And, um, you know, I was listening to the Cats at Night show yesterday. It's a great show. And Mark Shaw, who I had on this program for an hour of the week before Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, and got really great feedback on that interview. He has written, I think, five books on the John F. Kennedy assassination, including the one that I talked to him about, which connects the Kennedy assassination to the murders of Dorothy Kilgallen and Robert Kennedy. So I thought that was interesting. Mark Shaw was on the Cats at Night show last night to comment on the release of these documents and what they say. 1,500 pages. What the heck does it say? Well, first of all, I stand by everything, John, that I've written in my books about the JFK assassination, including collateral damage. Uh, I've perused, uh, first of all, you should know that when they said they gave us 1,500 documents, uh, from my analysis today, and I haven't had, uh, you know, an awful lot of time, John, but about the last 500 of those documents show that the whatever was going to be in them is either redacted, redacted or missing. So there's really only about a thousand documents and I have gone through them and there are some things, you know, I saw where an expert is saying they're worthless, but that's not true. There are, are actually some things in there that are that are rather interesting and one of them is connecting, um, you know, the CIA was trying to connect Oswald, and this is a lot about Oswald. There's no mention of Ruby, nothing of Dorothy Kilgallen, nothing of Bobby Kennedy being involved with the mobsters, none of that. They focus on Oswald, but at one point they have a document that has Lee Harvey Oswald's address book and is written by a CIA agent uh, named James Angleton, who actually is the same CIA guy who connected the deaths of Marilyn Monroe and Dorothy Kilgallen. And he talks about in there that there, there really was no evidence they could find with regard to uh, the Soviets um, you know, being involved with the JFK assassination. Just to give you a quick quote, uh, this uh, source that they had reported the Soviets actually felt that President Kennedy's death was a great loss not only for the United States and the Soviet Union, but for the whole world, and that they thought they could work with him. And I don't think that we've ever had that information uh, come up. The, the second thing that jumped out was they did connect, as I have in my books, uh, Melvin Belli to the, uh, to the mafioso who, were, who were, uh, hated Bobby Kennedy, and that was interesting. And then it also talks about the whole situation with Fidel Castro and uh, I felt like this quote by him was something that nobody had ever really seen before. Uh, he said that um, he felt, really felt like that, um, you know, the United States had, had been attacking him in some ways and that uh, if that continued, then he was going to have to take action uh, against uh, John F. Kennedy. So that was interesting to me. Uh, it also goes minute, into... one minute, Mark. Go ahead. Keep okay. going. Okay. 
So I would just tell people to have an open mind about this. Um, at least they gave us some documents, and I don't think they're worthless. I think there's some gems in there that people can latch on to. So I would say just keep an open mind, and hopefully more documents will be coming on down the line. Well, I so I thought that was interesting, and I'm glad that Mark Shaw said that. But Philip Shannon wrote, and who I, who's been a guest on this show on this subject, he wrote an interesting piece in Politico. And he said the announcement of the release of all these documents also contained an admission that should worry anyone who believes in transparency. Biden is the first president to come close to acknowledging what cynical conspiracy theorists like me have long assumed. There are all sorts of assassination related documents that are still sealed away at the archives that might never be made public, at least not in the lifetime of anyone who remembers where they were when they heard the news back in November of 1963. So in the fine print of his October order, they indicated that they're not releasing everything. So Trump said if he had a second term, he would release everything. Biden, so far, has not agreed to do so so i think uh i'm gonna i'm gonna link to this piece in politico uh, all about what's not in these documents and why uh, it's so disconcerting that president biden has still not released these documents you can check out that piece in politico facebook.com slash morano fan that's facebook.com slash m-o-r-a-n-o fan uh, let me say hello to Diane in Scotch Plains. Hello, Diane. Hello, Frank. I'm so happy you're back. Oh, I'm happy glad to, you have to a beautiful be child. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention that about the churches. Mm-hmm. I think the main reason that they are emptying out is because the mainline churches are nothing but clubs now. They don't preach or teach the whole gospel. They pick and choose what they want to believe instead of teaching the entire Bible and what each book in it is showing us. They are not feeding our souls. You know, God is perfect love, and if the the churches are not teaching this, boy, there's no reason to stay. So when do you think that changed? When do you think the church uh, went in a wayward direction? I think it really started back in the 50s. They were starting to become more liberal. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And I was blessed to finally find a church that actually does preach the Bible. And, uh, you know, but not in any fanatical way or anything. It's just trying to preach God's love, you know? Well, that's nice, Uh, Diana. uh, What church is that, just out of curiosity? Uh, Grace Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Westfield. Well, I'm glad that you found one. Um, That's certainly great. I will uh, alert my friend Joan Nolan who lives near there as well about that in case he's in the mood in the market for a new church 800-848-WABC Grace in Brooklyn has been very patiently holding hello Grace finally hold oh, thank you thank you thank you um i just want to touch base on about everything um that i heard today um so far all the callers have a point a great point in everything they say um my first thing is what I would love the mayor to do. Hello? Yeah, I'm listening, Grace. Go ahead. Okay. 
Okay, sorry. My first thing that I would love the mayor to do is to give back all the police officers, the nurses and the doctors, all those people who lose their job because of the mandate of the vaccination. I mean, that touched my soul so, so much because I remember when the whole country was closed down because of the virus and those people were out there working and they just give their soul to us, the people who were inside, you know, and, and for them to just lose their job, it just, it, it, it touched my heart. And the second thing also I would love him to do is to give Mr. Mr. Sewell, that's his name, right? Sliwa, yes. Sliwa, sure. Yeah, to give him a position. You know, that would be so nice. Just stretch across the aisle and I, I, give him a position and, and, and you know, and, and work together. And that would just help to unify us. Well, I like that idea, Grace, uh, and thank you for the call. I don't think Curtis would take a position, quite frankly. I think if you read my op-ed, in City and State this week, which you can read at Facebook.com slash Morano Fan. I think he can send the same message or a similar message by appointing uh, James Otto as his first deputy mayor or deputy mayor for operations. I think by elevating a Republican to that post, it sends the message that he really is going to be a mayor for all New Yorkers. So uh, so that's that. All right. Hey, coming up next hour, we're going to do some interesting things. We also got the AC report coming your way. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. I am Frank. I'm actually out of paper towels. I am Frank Moreno. Aside from that, do you know Dave Ramsey? Dave, Dave Ramsey is an interesting guy. Uh, Dave Ramsey, I don't. He's not on WOR anymore. He used to be on WOR here in New York, so I don't think he's carried anywhere here in um, here in the New York area. But he used to be on this station on the weekends, and I met him when he was here. He's a nice guy. Um, he's basically, and you might remember him when Fox Business Network first started, he was on, um, he was on that network on primetime and he's an interesting guy basically, and he's not a bad radio talent. I have to tell you, he's got an interesting voice, but his show is basically the same thing every day is people, you know, cutting up their credit card and shouting, I'm debt free. It's the whole show. It's caller after caller, you know, um, and, you know, they they either talk about how they owe all this money and then Dave Ramsey gives them all the same advice, which is that you have have to make a budget and sell some stuff or, you know, 
earn more money. And then, or if they're, they, they're, they're debt free, they cut up their credit card and they, they're all happy about being debt free. So, uh, any, but he's an interesting guy. The same show every day. And, um, you know, he go, he hates credit cards and hates debt. All good things. Very standard financial advice, but it's all, uh, it, it is through a lens of evangelical Christianity. And he sounds like an evangelical Christian preacher to some extent. Again, heck of a nice guy. I've met him here when he was on this station. And he would say, uh, like, every, every show was basically, well, you got to get rid of the credit cards. You got Capital One asking what's in your wallet. Well, money now that I got rid of your stupid card. He's all about not buying lunch. I mean, what kind of life is that? Not buying lunch. I'd say I'm a millionaire. I bring a sandwich to work every day, and it's not just because I'd rather eat one of my wife's sandwiches. It's because that's what you need to do to save money. That's that's the, every show. So he's from Tennessee, and he has built an empire, an empire. He's got all sorts of people that work for him. His daughter became a big person in the financial media, and now... Article out yesterday, he is being accused of firing an employee for wearing masks at the office and for wanting to work from home during the pandemic. The lawsuit said that Mr. Ramsey, an evangelical Christian and the owner of Ramsey Solutions, ran a cult-like environment where employees who worried about the pandemic were accused of weakness of spirit and told to pray if they wanted to ward off the virus. Now, I'm always cautious to read too much into lawsuits because usually lawsuits, not usually, always lawsuits come from a skewed perspective. There's an aggrieved party, and if maybe 40% of what's in there is true, that's a lot. And I know I've been on the receiving end of a number of lawsuits and the version of facts that's in the lawsuit is sometimes a huge difference from where reality is. But I do find this interesting. This complaint was filed in federal court in Tennessee by a fellow named Brad Amos, a former employee in which uh, again, it's all based in Nashville, Tennessee and a lawyer for Dave Ramsey said the case was without merit and the company has followed guidelines from the CDC. This fella said he was hired in 2019 as a senior video editor, making $90,000 a year. Then he was fired in July of 2020 after repeatedly telling his supervisors that he wanted to work from home to protect the health of his wife and son in accordance with his own Christian beliefs. Now, let me interject here. I like here at this radio station, we don't have anybody working from home. Everybody's got to come in, which I think is a, a good thing. I mean, we take proper covid precautions. You have to either be vaccinated or you have to wear a mask and, and present uh, weekly COVID, negative covid tests. You got to come into work. I'm so done with these people that want to work from home. Get with the program. We, we need to continue with life. But if they made fun of this guy for. Wearing a mask, uh, I think that's a different story. So in the lawsuit, it says uh, Mr. Ramsey's company terminated plaintiff for taking scientifically prescribed precautions as required by his sincerely held religious beliefs. I hate that you got to throw the religious beliefs in there. 
in the COVID pandemic rather than relying on prayer alone to protect himself. Employees who wore masks to meetings were mocked and derided. Daniel Cortez, general counsel for Ramsey Solutions, described Mr. Amos's claims as outlandish and said they absolutely had no merit. The company has never looked down upon individuals who chose to either wear masks or become vaccinated. He said he himself is vaccinated and regularly wears masks to the office. So I'm curious what you think about this, uh, if you think there's anything to this complaint. There's a lot of weird stuff in this workplace, in the Ramsey Company's workplace, Ramsey Solutions. We did the story maybe a year ago about how a woman said in a lawsuit that she was fired because she had had premarital sex or something like that. I think she got pregnant without being married. I don't remember the details of that lawsuit. So it does seem like a a workplace where there's some weird stuff going on. But I, I can't tell, based on reading this lawsuit, if this guy was just wanted to work from home and they wouldn't let him or if they really were hostile to people who wanted to wear masks and take covid precautions. So I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment, but you don't have to. If you want to weigh in, you can do so. 800-848-9222. I found this pretty interesting. My favorite second cousin, Andrea, lives in Philadelphia. And I like Philadelphia. I was only there. I was there twice. I was there twice. I had a good experience both times. So, well, yeah, once was a very brief experience. So they, uh, sp- they this is, you know, the restaurant Popeye's, the uh, chicken franchise Popeye's. They serve fried chicken and chicken sandwiches and all sorts of other things. So a Popeye's restaurant in Philadelphia, has banned homeless people from entering the store. They have posted on their, um, you know, on their front door a sign banning them from the store after complaints that they trash the restaurant and refuse to follow the city's mask mandate. So here we are again with the mask. So a Popeye's uh, franchise in Philadelphia located on 15th Street and Chestnut, has banned homeless people from entering inside. The store manager said the new policy was due to homeless people coming into the store without wearing masks. Others would come in and trash the store, obliging employees to call the police. Homeless customers are still allowed to come inside to warm up and even given free meals. But they must follow business protocols. So, It doesn't really sound, in spite of what the sign says, it doesn't really sound like they have banned homeless people. If they're still allowing homeless customers to come in and eat and even giving them free free meals, I I don't understand what the big deal is. A big deal, I guess, is a sign. So the manager who runs this location said this new policy. So, see, it says different things in these articles here. It says homeless people are banned from entering the restaurant. And the manager is defending this policy, saying it was put into effect after multiple homeless people came in without masks in spite of the city mandate. At other times, they said they had to call the police. He adds that the staff understand there's a problem with people being homeless and they do not want to add to the problem. But they also have a business to run and rules and regulations to follow. They told 
one media outlet, I think it was TMZ, that homeless customers are allowed to come inside the store to warm up, sometimes given free meals, but they must follow business protocol. See, this is where I'm lost here. This is the disconnect. So it seems like they're telling TMZ that they're allowed to come in, but the sign says they're not. And they're defending a policy which seems to suggest that they're not allowed to come in. So the Daily Mail, they reached out to Popeyes for feedback. They did not receive a response. And look, I'm looking at the sign right now. It's very plain. It says no homeless people allowed inside the store. That's what it says. So it's not as if homeless people are allowed. It sounds like the store is claiming that they're still allowing homeless people inside, but they're not. Uh, I'm curious what you think of this. I have mixed feelings about it because if you're homeless, if you follow the proper protocols, why shouldn't you be able to go into a Popeye's, buy a sandwich, warm up for a little bit? At the same time, I get where the restaurant's coming from. They don't want vagrants, maskless, coughing on everybody and trash in the place. I get where they're coming from. I think they made a huge mistake by putting up this sign. If someone's refusing to wear a mask, then you throw them out of the store for refusing to wear a mask. If someone's trashing the place, you call the cops for trashing the place. So one Twitter user who purchased hundreds, if not thousands of meals for homeless people, took a picture of the sign um, directly on the door, which does read, no homeless people allowed inside the store. In response to the store's policy, the same user wrote that homeless people deserve dignity and respect. I agree. I got to say, I'm with the homeless on this one. If you can act responsibly, follow the rules of the store, they should have every right just as a home full person does. Another Twitter user asked, how do they know if someone is homeless? The way they dress? What if they have money for a cup of coffee? Maybe someone ought to be more concerned about why there are so many homeless on the streets of downtown Philly. I hate that argument when people go there. Well, maybe someone ought to be concerned about this. You can always say that. You can say that about anything. Well, uh, you can't talk about this. Maybe you ought to be concerned about that. Uh, You can always say that. So I I think Popeye's, the more I read about this and seeing the actual sign, I think think they're wrong here. I think if you respect the rules of the store, you should be allowed in the store. I don't think you could ban people just for being homeless. 800-848-WABC. Maxine is in Manhattan. What say you, Maxine? Uh, hi, Frank. First of all, congratulations to you and Rachel on your beautiful bundle of joy. Thank Carmine. you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. And I just want to comment here. It's such a conundrum now that's going going on. I do agree with you. I believe that if somebody's homeless, yes, and they should be able to to come in. It seems that we are in a in a period of time now with such. Um, there's such confusion about clarity. Yet I saw today that it's serendipities. If a child is five years on up, they must show their uh, that passport in order to go into the restaurant. It's a five-year-old on up for youngsters. So it's, 
it's kind of like a, a very uh, confusing time that there is not a clear directive. Things are changing, yes, but there's not a clear directive with clear rules. Well, I think that's true. I mean, that's one of my big problems with this whole pandemic is the inconsistency of the enforcement, the uh, inconsistency in following the science, when you have to wear a mask, when you don't have to. But um, the the broader pro- – thanks for the call, Maxine, and your congratulations. The broader, broader problem I have with this is that they're just singling out homeless people. I mean, they're not sing- singling out maskless people. The city says you have to wear a mask. So you got to wear a mask. I don't like it, but that's the rule, I guess, if you want to go to restaurants in Philly. But I don't think they should be singling out homeless people. If people are being disruptive, they should be removed for being disruptive. I don't like this that says no homeless people. I don't like it. Michael on the Upper East Side. Hello, Michael. Okay. I work in a restaurant. And there's a particular, first of all, these the homeless people, except for one person that, that I've noticed, in the neighborhood, the homeless people are absolutely dirty. Their hands are black, okay, from filth. Uh, there's one woman, I hate to say it, but I even took a picture. She sits on the sidewalk and urinates in her pants. Mm. Now, I won't let her into the restaurant whether she has money or not, it's a health issue. Well, but, okay? but, well, what if she goes into your restaurant and follows the rules of the restaurant? What if she's not urinating? Rules of what? Well, n- say not what? urinating her in the clothing, restaurant. Well, thank you very much. Her clothing is filthy, okay? Well, so... so filthy and uh, with piss. And, all right, but can you and, really... Can you really can you really not allow someone in because their clothes are filthy? Would you allow someone like that into your home? I hate to get so so basic I, like that. I, I wouldn't. No, I you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Okay. So this person is not going to come into our restaurant. So when, she she used one second. Let me finish. Uh, I've given she you one second, uh, Michael. Should, let me finish the sentence. I'm trying. Go she ahead. used to come in. I know how trying you are at times. She used uh, Michael, to you, you're so annoying. I got to tell you, it's just I'm, I'm trying to really get to where you are here because you raise such an interesting point, but you're just so annoying about it. You really, um, you know, there are just some people that are perpetually in need of a smack, and Michael on the Upper East Side is one of those people. Here's the bottom line: if someone is behaving in a manner that uh, is indicative of Unsan of and being unsanitary that they're going to uh, give other people. Uh, I don't know if you have uh, bugs crawling on your clothing, uh, if you uh, have uh, uh, exposed sores on your person, if you're bleeding. Of course, you're not going to let that person in a restaurant. But to put up a sign that says homeless people are not allowed in, it's totally different. It's totally different because you're not punishing behavior at that point. You're punishing socioeconomic status. That's the difference. 
800-848-WABC. Corey, hello. Hello, Frank. Um, I think it's totally egregious. I think it's kind of like um, no Irish need a flag, no, no whites, no black, you know, along those lines. What if you just if people came in from working the hard day's work and they have filthy, their clothes are dirty and they need they want a chicken sandwich. Now, they, for these people to just go ahead and say, oh, well, you look like a homeless person. You're not coming in. That's ridiculous. Well, that's, exa- that's exactly right. You're asking the management of the store to become profilers and, and determine who's homeless and who's not. Are, are, what are they going to start doing? Checking everybody's ID? Yes. And, and if there's some person that's a constant nuisance, that's a different story. And you're you're allowed to refuse people business, you know, refuse them, you know, trespass them. But if they're, you know, I've I've had people come up to me on the street and say, "Can I get a buck or two for something to eat?" And I'll take them in this McDonald's with me, and I'll, you know, buy them something. They're gonna say, "Well, he's got that person gonna stay outside." I'll say, "Well, you know what? I'm going to Burger King." Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you, Corey. So you're with me. Yeah. You think what the Popeye's behavior, at least as Popeye's in Philly, is inappropriate, to say the least. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, maybe I'll see you, uh, I don't know, uh, we'll dining, dine with some of our... You send guy over here and he just smack, send him to Manhattan Beach. There you go. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate it. I have friends that are homeless, and uh, I've gone to lunch and for drinks with them. And uh, look, look... Uh, they occasionally do smell because very often they don't have the same access to things like uh, showers that I do. But a lot of times they don't. Uh, a lot of times they are very, very sanitary. So why should someone be prohibited from entering into an establishment? They shouldn't be. As far as I'm concerned, 800-848-WABC. We're going to do the uh, AC report with Michael Traeger live from Las Vegas, actually, coming up in about 10 minutes. And uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Frank Moreno. It's Frank M-O-R-A-N-O. Let me say hello to David in Fort Lee. Hello, David. Hello, Frank. How are you today? Good. Listen, uh, on the issue of not letting people in that are homeless, homeless got nothing to do with it. You and I know that. But the stink is what has to do with it. You don't have to look at the guy. You could smell the guy. You you can't see his dirty clothes. You could smell them. If you're peeing in your pants, you got to change your pants before you come into the store. Sorry. Well, so then, then the sign should say something about standards of hygiene. It shouldn't say no homeless people. There should be no sign there. Right. There should be no sign there. There you go. There you go. You have to put that sign as an idiot. Right. Well, I, I think uh, I think you put your finger exactly on the on the issue here. David, thanks for the call. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. You can also email me if you're listening on the podcast, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Jim is in New Jersey. Hello, Jim. Jim. Uh, Jim has found other things to do. Pete's in Passaic. Hello, Pete. Yeah, Frank, can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Yeah, Frank, um, with the Most High God, every mortal human creature 
serves the Most High either in his mercy or in his justice permanently, just like a binary computer, a zero or a, or a one. Um, the Most High Creator allows and permits people to be their own God if they want to. He permits that. And later on, at the end, they will be permanently dismissed from his mercy. Then they will serve him in his justice instead. Well, I, I appreciate and, the theological question here, Pete, but what, what, or the theological lesson, but where are we going with this? What does that mean? Uh, because from that, uh, with deductive reasoning, all of your life thoughts and decisions will stem uh, deductively from that understanding at square A. Either in his mercy or his justice will all creatures serve him, angels and mortal humans both. And he permits free will because he created free will. All right. Thank you, Pete. I, I got to say that was a little over my head. Uh, I, I made an effort to follow a little over my head. 800-848-9222. Amir is in Boston. Hello, Amir. Oh, my God, Frank. Keep doing that thing you did with uh, Michael, that exchange. That is radio. I loved it. You mean, radio doesn't always have to be insightful, but this Gavon, this uh, Mama Luke will let you finish. She can't interrupt you. I loved it. That's radio. Well, well, thank you. Yes, that, I, I, that's promo material. Whenever, whenever I don't get to speak, that's apparently what the audience likes most. <laughs> Please keep that up. I gotta go. Take care, bro. <laughs> Thanks, Amir. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Uh, hey, let me take a break. We're going to talk with um, we're going to talk with Michael Traeger next. This is the other side of midnight. I am Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. 77 It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC. This is the AC Report. Chicken man in Philly last night, and they blew up his house too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble busting in from out of state, and the DA can't get no relief. Gonna be a rumble on a promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth Everything dies, baby, that's a fact But maybe everything that dies, someday he comes back Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty And meet me tonight in Atlanta 
Yes, it is time for our weekly look at all things Atlantic City. One of my favorite people to talk to in these segments uh, has always been Michael Traeger. He is a luxury travel and casino gaming industry entrepreneur. He's also with a terrific website called TravelZork.com. He also hosts a great podcast. He was kind enough to have me on as a guest of the podcast recently. And uh, today, ironically, he joins us live from Las Vegas, Nevada, the gambling capital of the world. Michael, I know you have had a late night, and uh, I'm really pressing my luck getting you to join me at this time, so thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully, Michael. Remind folks who might not have heard us before, what exactly is TravelZork.com? What goes on there? Travelzork is a website that talks a lot about the casino experience, including what you would experience at different casinos with regard to entertainment and food and beverage, as well as the gaming aspects of those casinos with a strong focus on casino lo- loyalty, which includes players' cards and loyalty points, and also integrating the differences between loyalty points for casinos and also travel loyalty. Okay, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Now, I had urged uh, Curtis Lewa to have you on last week to promote exactly what you're doing in Las Vegas now, but apparently you see how much influence I have on my own radio program. My, my pleas were ignored. So give us an idea of exactly why are you in Las Vegas right now? What are you doing out there? I'm in Las Vegas right now because we do a a conference and seminar called Zork Fest, which is a little bit of a play on the name of Travel Zork. And it's, it's we call it, consider it a, a travel community and gambling community, sort of, it's a community event of which we have also some educational sessions where we talk about things like how to use the best reward credit cards, how to get the best reward redemptions, uh, the best ways you should approach casino comps and all of those types of things. And in the middle, we have a live podcaster, a live audience podcaster event with a bunch of gambling and also some travel podcasters. So a lot of things going on. That sounds like a lot of fun. Can I watch any of this live or listen to it live? Uh, you will be able to listen to the podcasts once, uh, you know, after we do it as a live audience, because the whole purpose of this was getting everybody together this year, because there haven't been many gambling and travel meetups. And we have a lot of gambling going on, too. So we have a cocktail reception on Friday night, uh, which we expect Oscar Goodman to be at. And also this. Oh, that's my buddy. Plaza. You know, he and I are very tight. Yeah. You're aware of that. Uh, I wasn't exactly aware of that, but that doesn't surprise me at all. No, look, uh, uh, <laughs> I should. All right. Well, I want to come next year, so be sure to keep me posted on next year's Zorkfest. Do you have a date or a location for next year's Zorkfest? We don't. We sort of we sort of take it on a year by year basis. And this year we got really lucky because the plaza is super supportive and they're actually giving us a craps table at eleven thirty PM on Saturday night. And a bunch of us uh were able to we we had a sign up sheet. So we're all gonna be able to play craps together at our own at 
had our own. Oh, table, that's cool. So that's good. You know, I love that hotel. Uh, Oscar, Oscar. First of all, Oscar's got a great restaurant in that hotel. Oscar's Beef, Booze, and Broads. Uh, but Oscar, when I was there last, and you gave me a ton of great recommendations for dining and all sorts of uh, tier matching, all sorts of other things. And your advice was very valuable when I was out there in March. But um, Oscar introduced me to the young man that uh, that runs that hotel, and he's a super nice guy and a real go-getter, and he doesn't think with that uh, traditional corporate-type uh, mentality. He's willing to be a little out of the box. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan Jossel is amazing. And just a lot of what they're doing and, with the gambling and, and everything. And I was just going to mention, for people who have seen the film Back to the Future – the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas is actually the model for Biff's uh, casino in the dystopic Back to the Future uh, future. You could see the exterior. It looks exactly like the Plaza. So, Right. And it's the 50th anniversary of the Plaza. And actually, this is a great segue into what I was mentioning to you a little bit about, you know, iconic properties, right? This whole idea of a casino property that has been around for a long time. And I, I think about that quite often because I'm a little bit of a casino history buff and I love talking about Atlantic City casinos. So the big news in Las Vegas this week is that Hard Rock is going to be taking over the iconic property, the Mirage, which was basically the first super casino created by Steve Wynn and the relation to me, you know, we have Hard Rock in Atlantic City. You know, the Seminoles who run Hard Rock International took over Taj Mahal and opened this incredible Hard Rock Hotel. Yes, we want to thank the Seminole tribe for that. Right. And this is actually going to be the first tribal casino on the Vegas Strip. So that's pretty incredible. And just a little bit of a background. Remember, there used to be a Hard Rock that was off the strip that became the Virgin, but that wasn't owned by the Seminoles. Hmm. Back, you know, they they recently took over the rights to the Hard Rock name, and you know, we have the Florida properties that a lot of people in Atlantic City also talk about, and of course, Hard Rock Atlantic City is is amazing and has really revived the casino business in Atlantic City. So, so why is why is the Mirage selling to Hard Rock? Uh, the Mirage was sort of the that was the first big casino that Steve Wynn had in Las Vegas. It had this incredible larger than life reputation as you mentioned as an iconic property. Why are they selling to Hard Rock? Well because basically, I mean there there're probably a couple of reasons. A big thing is right now Mirage is owned by MGM Resorts or is operated by MGM Resorts. I always caveat it a little bit because you know all of these structures is you have the people who operate the casino and then you have all these real estate trusts, right, that control the land. So to keep it simple, we would say MGM MGM is running the Mirage. Well, MGM has a lot of other properties on the Vegas Strip, including the fact that MGM just recently – you know, purchase Cosmopolitan and is going to be operating it. So it, it sort of seems to me like, you know, MGM is, is trying to consolidate a little bit and, and focus a little bit. They don't want to have, I mean, they have a lot of properties on the strip, but I think the Mirage, they haven't really been doing much with it. And of course now 
they're going to have Cosmopolitan, which I think fits a little bit better mm. into the MGM luxury world. So it was natural that that they were going to potentially get rid of uh, potentially get rid of Mirage. And everybody knew that the Seminoles have been saying in the background, we are go- coming back to Las Vegas. Well, I mean, Hard Rock is going to be in Las Vegas again. So there's been a lot of rumors over the last year, like, where's Hard Rock going to go, right? What property are they going to take over? So I think it's I, I think it's a rather natural property for MGM to shed. Also, it's not been given a lot of love over the uh, last couple of years. That's sort of like New Jersey, right? Oh, that, that's <laughs> for sure. So as people ju- just tuning in, we're talking with Michael Traeger. He's with uh, TravelZork.com talking about the sale of the iconic Mirage Casino to the Seminole Tribe and the Hard Rock. What um, What would you say if you were making a list of the iconic Atlantic City casinos, what would be on your short list? You see, that's very interesting. And, that, and I, I started to think about that a little bit today when we were looking at this question of, you know, what are iconic Vegas properties? And in Vegas, we could come up with the iconic properties right away, right? Like we're talking about the plaza and we're, you know, and talk about Caesar's Palace. Atlantic City is a little bit tougher there, right? And I think to me, probably the most, one of the most iconic properties in Atlantic City would be Caesar's. Hmm. Uh, More so than resorts, the first casino in Atlantic City. And resorts. Caesars and 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 resorts, but I think as far as what resonates, as far as a name and a brand, I think Caesars, you know, Caesars would really resonate as a property that you would think, you know, that you relate to. Because what's sort of interesting these days is look at when the Taj was taken over by Hard Rock. It didn't really seem to bother anybody that the Taj became. The Hard Rock. Well, it was but, a little. It was a little different in that the Taj had been closed for two or three years before it reopened as Hard Rock. It was not as if uh, m- on Monday the doors closed as the Taj, and then Tuesday morning they reopened as Hard Rock. It sounds like what's happening in Vegas is one day it is the Mirage, and then the next day it is the Hard Rock. Yes, I mean. It- Obviously, it's going to take some time, and obviously, the Hard Rock has a vision for what they're going to do. They want to build a big, in addition to the current towers at the Mirage, they want to build a large uh, guitar, you know, glass guitar structure. I think the issue with the Mirage, which is bothering some people, is they're going to be getting rid of the volcano. (laughs) So that's because it's going to go into this whole Hard Rock theme, and I think people who are very near and dear to the historical significance of Las Vegas relate that whole Polynesian theme and mirage and volcano. So that bothers them about the, about the change. I'm surprised they wouldn't try and find a way to keep that because it is so iconic. I think, I think honestly, it doesn't, uh, it, it takes, it takes a lot of space and it doesn't really fit in. If you look at the pool areas at the mirage with all of the, you know, sort of like the Polynesian kind of pool areas. That's sort of like what Hard Rock's done in Fort Lauderdale. But I don't think the volcano really serves a purpose. And it does take up a decent amount of real estate. I'll say I'll say the one thing I'm going to say right now probably is extremely shocking to a lot of people. But look at the Bellagio and look at those darn fountains in the front. Those fountains take up a huge amount of valuable real estate, right? If you got rid of those fountains, 
think what you could put there <laughs> in front of the Bellagio. Now, it's something that's very upsetting to think about because you would lose amazing Bellagio fountains. But that's a lot of premium frontage that could be used for shopping or for hotel towers. I know people people get really upset when I say this or when you mention it. But, you know, that's valuable land, you know, and these guys want to make money off of every every inch of the land so it's sort of i think you sort of have to look at it that way too steve win has played such a role in not only atlantic city gaming uh obviously the board the uh, the borgata is very much uh, a steve win property if not owned by steve win you could see his fingerprints all over it but in vegas you have obviously the mirage you have the win you have uh, aria you have all these mammoth uh, casinos that very much you could tell as soon as you walk in have the steve win thumbprint on it uh, what's the story with those Wynn properties without Steve Wynn? We've seen sometimes uh, companies are able to do away with their founder, their namesake, and just go right on. And other times, uh, I think Apple is an example of this uh, In the with Steve Jobs leaving. You don't see them having the same kind of innovation without Steve Jobs. W- how has the Wynn Corporation and the Wynn properties been doing without Steve Wynn? That's a a fantastic thing to talk about because they've created an amazing culture there. But the one thing is you, you're very focused on Atlantic City that we, we should never forget is that for all intents and purposes, Steve Wynn went on to create the Mirage in 1989 because he was in quotes a little bit chased out of Atlantic City. By, by Donald Steve Trump? Wynn, well, no, not what's interesting is it, you had Donald Trump and Steve Wynn and the politicians and the people in New Jersey chose to pr- chose to basically back Donald Trump. They, you know, simplistically, they looked at Donald Trump as a, as a good face of Atlantic City. Remember, Donald Trump, you're talking 1980s here. He was a mover, shaker, real estate developer. Uh, he looked like the kind of guy that Atlantic City wanted. Because remember, Atlantic City always was worried about optics. They never, they were never wanted to seem like they were associated with the mob or with like the Vegas kind of, you know, old Vegas stuff. Right. Where Steve Wynn was quintessential connected to Vegas, sure. right? So, so politically and slightly simplistically, you know, Donald Trump, seemed like a, a cleaner, nicer face of Atlantic City than someone like Steve Wynn, who was really connected with the good old boys. <laughs> so so it wasn't so much that, you know, Trump pushed Steve Wynn out of New Jersey, but it was more so that New Jersey gaming and the politicians really thought that Trump was more the look that they wanted for Atlantic City. And Steve Wynn got frustrated about about that. And basically, it sort of was like, screw you guys, I'm going back to Vegas. And then the next thing you know, you know, junk bonds, investments, incredible vision, he opens up the Mirage, which is the first super casino. Mm. So that's uh, that's a very interesting kind of thing. I think culturally right now, you Win has done an amazing job with with the culture that they have there, and and the properties are very very successful. And there are some turnovers, uh, but overall, I mean, they are being operated in the style of Steve Wynn and and they've they've created that culture. They've almost created to me 
what I would call a Steve Wynn culture, just like, you know, how job, almost like you were saying, like, you know, Steve Jobs, there's a culture at Apple. Well, Steve Wynn created that kind of hospitality and gaming culture. As far as Steve Wynn himself goes, I know he got uh, Me Too'd and, and canceled. Is he doing anything in the gaming world, even if it's abroad or anywhere else? Not that I know of. And and it's and I and I try to separate. I I will always say to me, one of the most influential guys ever in the gaming industry is Steve Wynn. And you can never take away the vision that he had. People thought he was crazy when he opened a Mirage. Mm. The Mirage was the largest hotel in the world in 1989. Nobody had ever created a hotel casino resort on that. That's why it's called the first super casino. What we take for granted today, these gigantic mega complexes, that was Steve Wynn's vision. <laughs> I mean, nobody had ever thought of doing something like that before. And, and people were really skeptical about it. But it was amazing. Obviously, we look at it today and the Mirage doesn't even seem like it's that large. Right. right? <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Uh, talking with Michael Traeger, TravelZork.com. Uh, it was interesting when I was in Las Vegas in March, when I would, I had, you know, we had a great time, but when I'd walk around, the whole uh, city seemed to reek of marijuana. And now with recreational marijuana legalized in New Jersey, there's all sorts of plans for Atlantic City to become a a marijuana mecca. Uh, Do you think that uh, what we're seeing as it relates to marijuana could be, you know, could Las Vegas be a window into Atlantic City's future? It could be. And and Atlantic City, I mean, I've always said it. Considering the cities that Atlantic City draws from and the incredible scenery, you know, with the Atlantic Ocean and the views, there's never been a reason why Atlantic City shouldn't be a top resort in the world. Mm. And a lot of the reason why it isn't is is neglected corruption over the years, not, you know, in spite of itself. Right. I mean, Atlantic City to me is is an in spite of itself city. But, you know, to there were there were thoughts by people when Atlantic City first came to be that it would truly over overtake Las Vegas. And it did for years with gaming. You know, the gaming numbers in Atlantic City up until the 1990s, there was more gambling action in Atlantic City than there was on the Las Vegas Strip. A lot of people don't realize that. Atlantic City had incredible gaming action, but they never really reinvested in the city. And I know you've discussed that a lot. Uh, But, you know, if the right things had happened and you had kept people like Steve Wynn around and the investment had happened – the Atlantic City you'd be looking at today would be a totally different thing. Sort of like, look at Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas was very sleepy in the 80s. People were thinking that Las Vegas was sort of, quote, dying. Mm. And then Mirage came along, right? <laughs> and we have a different story now. So it's it's very, it's very, very interesting uh, when, you, when you think about that. So what would and you do be- these days if you were a private casino operator or had the ear of policymakers in New Jersey? What would you do to help Atlantic City in the year 2021 expand to its full potential? I, I think what you what you have to do is a little bit of of what's starting to happen. You you need to be able to have a destination that appeals to gamblers and non-gamblers, right? One of the things 
I mean, there are a couple of prongs to why Las Vegas is so successful. The gambling has become a smaller and smaller percentage, and it has to, you know, you have the entertainment, right, food and beverage, and conventions. And that's the only way Atlantic City is going to survive, is that they keep building those types of things. And look, the Hard Rock's a perfect example of that kind of property, right? I mean, that's, uh, you don't have to be a gambler to love going to Hard Rock. And that's exactly the type of development and the type of properties that you need in Atlantic City. And I think it could be extremely successful. I think, but it can't, it is successful. I think also, also, I mean, a a little bit of it is that Atlantic City has a reputation, right? (laughs) So that's, that's something that you probably have to somewhat overcome. And Mm. that's been overcome by different cities before. I mean, just think about if you say to someone who's who doesn't love Atlantic City like we do, and you say Atlantic City to them, what pops in their head? And you say Las Vegas to somebody, what pops into their head? So you probably have a little bit of work to do with Atlantic City with regard to like that impression right. from you. No, you're now. exactly right, and and that's uh, that's exactly right. Michael, have fun in Las Vegas, and uh, good luck with the rest of Zorkfest. I look forward to hearing all about it and checking out your podcast uh, on this subject. And people should do the same at TravelZork. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. You can't gamble, whether it's in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, Connecticut, Yonkers, Queens, uh, the Catskills. You can't gamble if you don't have money. If you look at where we are in terms of inflation, everything is costing a fortune. Even the cost of dog food is going through the roof. So what can you do about it? Invest in gold, invest in silver, invest in precious metals. Because while you might not be able to fight inflation, if you can't beat them, you got to join them. You have to put yourself in a position to benefit financially from inflation. So what happens? If you look at the entire history of inflation, the less the dollar is worth, the more gold, silver, and precious metals are worth. So that's where you need to reach out to Legacy Precious Metals. Legacy Precious Metals can help you invest in gold so that your money is not eaten away by inflation. If you have your money in a traditional retirement account, you really need to think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA. I can assure you we're opening an account for young Carmine's college fund and gold and silver are going to be a significant portion of his portfolio. That's a guarantee. If you want to follow Carmine's lead, because after all, he's in a position where he's doing so well, he's lending money to his mother. You can call 866-932-0635. That's 866-932-0635. Or you can visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. And 
jingle singing, that's how you tell. It's time to do the Christmas cha-cha-cha. When through the night, the world is white with snowing, and there's a light from all the fires glowing. You Great. know it's right. This is the Christmas cha-cha. Cha-cha-cha. By the Merry Mag. Is this my selection or is this yours? This is brilliant. I see, I forget how brilliant I am sometimes until I actually hear the music. It's, it's amazing. It is. I do like it. Thank you. Molly's applauding. Once you get Molly applauding, there's no stopping it. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to... Well, let me... Before... I will take your calls in. Well, wait, okay. Let me just say hello to Pamela in Central Jersey. Hello, Pamela. Oh, hi, Frank. Um, yeah, I, you know, you're talking about, you know, what, what will draw people. And I know I'm a bit old school. I, I got married there uh, in Las Vegas almost 30 years ago in one of those chapels. I wanted to do the whole oh, Vegas. That's interesting. And I, I was looking for the old Rat Pack. You know, I mean, I knew it was over with. But I, it was very sad and, you know, good at the same time. But a lot of the places were being taken down at that time. The Strip... You know, that I knew from history was being taken down. The graveyard was starting to build up with the old signs. And so sad. Um, the uh, I think that what was it? The dunes or the sands was still standing, but the other one was down. And it, uh, it was like, oh, God, if only I could go back in time and go in there and see Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. I did get to eat at the Flamingo, which had the original felt half-shelled uh, boots that were all frayed. And, um, you know, I just think the atmosphere back then was so cool. But what about in Atlantic City? What would you do in Atlantic City to get things uh, going again so that they can compete with uh, with places like Las Vegas? Uh, Yeah, I used to go down there a lot for teachers convention, the Trump Convention Hall and everything. And, um, you know, and I said, oh, good, you know, Atlantic City is coming back. That's so cool. And uh, then, you know, we saw it go down again. Um, it, It needs like a draw. Like back in the eight, um, in the eighties, Debbie Reynolds were, was out in Vegas and in Atlantic City, and I remember my friends and I saying, "Oh, we'd like to see them." You so know, you think uh, entertainment uh, is the key factor? I really do. I think a personality. You know, yeah. that's why they had Frank Sinatra there. A, a personality has to draw it in, and you need. The sad thing about Las Vegas, I understand times change. Believe me, I like new stuff and everything. We stayed at Bally's, which was the formal former. MGM Grand that burned to the ground and we were right across the street from the Mirage and I can remember feeling the volcano going off and saying to my my husband oh my god there's an earthquake and actually there was an earthquake that week and he said no 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 that's the Mirage uh, <laughs> and, and I we went out there and we stood there and it was really cool and um you know I'm I'm for new and old but um you need a little bit of something and to me not to insult Las Vegas, but it, it seems like a carnival. Well, here. yeah, I agree. And that's one of the reasons I actually do prefer Atlantic City. And thanks for the call, Pamela. By the way, I want to mention our colleague Tony Orlando going to be performing in Atlantic City on New Year's Eve, December 31st. So for those of you that are coming out for New Year's Eve, I'm still working on this email. This is the longest email I've ever written. It's already longer than last year, and I'm about three quarters of the way through it. So uh, for those of you that are coming out for New Year's Eve, hopefully I'll finish the New Year's Eve Eve. And maybe you want to stick around one day later to see Tony Orlando. Hey, coming up next hour, we're going to do something fun. Not exactly sure what yet, but trust me, you should listen. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until next hour, to be continued.
Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. A couple of things I want to bring to your attention. So I was, uh, we had our post-show meeting yesterday where it was just Molly and I going over the show. Molly and me, Molly and I, I don't know, Molly and me. Just Yeah, Molly and me. And uh, she suggested uh, something that I thought was a good idea, which was the uh, the... A portmanteau, and you know I love a good portmanteau, a portmanteau of the words hyperbole and police. And she suggested that we have a regular, be it daily or weekly, look at stories that are in the news that are defined by hyperbole, that they're not really worthy of the amount of news coverage they're getting. So she she suggested that I deputize myself as a member of the hyperbolese, right? Do I have that right, uh, Molly, more or less? I've still been workshopping it. Hyperbolese. Okay. Right. Hyperbolese. Hyperbolese. It sounds better when you slow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a fast-paced show here. Anyway, but the concept I have right, right? So in any event, I thought it might be fun to get your take on what stories are in the news that you think are completely not newsworthy. So I want to invite you, whether it's a sports story, a political story, a business story, a cultural story, a science story, a health story, a technology story, whatever kind of news story there is, uh, entertainment certainly, I want to invite you to call me at 800-848-9222, and we're going to deputize you as a member of the Hyperbolese, where you can tell me what story is in the news that you find completely unworthy of being in the news. 800-848-WABC, that's 800-848-9222. As we get closer to the end of the year, I always do my least covered stories of the year, and that'll be uh, my take on what stories needed more coverage. So we'll give you that opportunity a little bit later. But not necessarily for the whole year, but right now, what story is in the news that you find completely unworthy of the amount of news coverage it's getting? 800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. I have a couple of picks, but I want to see what you come up with first before I give you my pick. I saw some very interesting news today, yesterday technically, and it's a story that we've been covering and will continue to cover. Headline New York Post, truth is in here. $770 billion defense bill 
includes agency to investigate UFOs. That's right. A provision buried deep in the $770 billion annual defense bill that the Senate passed on Wednesday calls for the creation of a new agency to investigate reports of U.S. UFO sightings. I think this is great news. Under Section 1683 of the National Defense Authorization Act, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and National Intelligence Director Avril Haines have to establish an office, organizational structure, and authorities to address unidentified aerial phenomenon within 180 days of whenever President Biden signs this bill into law. Among its new duties, the new agency will evaluate links between unidentified aerial phenomenon and adversarial foreign governments, other foreign governments, or non-state actors. It will also have to submit annual reports to Congress. So I think that's certainly a positive. Now, if you're of the belief that the government is just lying to all of us about this, maybe this is not that big of a deal. What's the difference if one agency lies versus another? I think the difference in this one is congressional accountability because the Congress, the, the members of Congress are all politicians. They recognize that their constituents want to know the truth about what's happening with these UFOs. And if they're going to have hearings and hold this new agency accountable, maybe they'll cut off their funding if they're not getting the truth. Who knows? We'll see. 800-848-WABC, our first member of the Hyperbolese Department is Frankie in Glendale. Hello, Frankie. What story is over-covered these days? Good morning. First, Frankie, welcome back. Congratulations on both of your sons. Thank you very much. Uh, and to the topic now, anything to do with the royal family, mm. the queen, the prince, uh, you know, way overplayed. Uh, who who really cares? I, I don't. I, I mean, when I hear anything like that, I, I, I tune out. That's it. I am with you on that one, actually. I, <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you. I think that gets way, way too much attention. The royal family. That's maybe a good you know. I mean, that, uh, shortly, you know. I mean, maybe maybe she'll live for a hundred years. I, I don't know. But you know, like Queen Elizabeth. You know, I mean, my mother. She liked her. She was about her age. Uh, you know, maybe when she passes. But about this one didn't like that. This one's wearing this costume. This one, uh, 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 the, the 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 princess doesn't like the the father-in-law. Whatever. That's a good one, Frankie. I like it. Right. I like it. That's a, a that's a good one. 800-848-9222. What stories got to or, or are getting, not got, but are getting far too much attention? 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC if you have a take. You can also stay in touch with me on Twitter. At Frank Morano, that's Frank M O R A N O, or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Morano fan. We have a, a handy dandy little Facebook group that you can also join if you're on Facebook. Uh, just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters, and uh, you can participate in the discussion. Joe in Ron Concoma, what story is getting too much attention right now? Well, I think this whole uh, Jesse Smollett. I, I hope I'm not pronouncing it incorrectly. I, I think they're just publicizing this whole situation way too much, and it's going to cause more issues. And they can't, they're picking at it. And they're picking at it. Uh, I, I personally uh, feel that the guy was a liar. 
And uh, it's just it's going to the extreme where the, I think the media just wants to start more riots and stuff about stuff that we should just put at bay and uh, move on to more important things like what's happening to our country right now. And uh, by the way, Frank, I'm I'm on day six of this life change tea, and I feel so energized. Outstanding. And, uh, like I said, uh, it's amazing, and I'm actually trying to get my wife to try it. Um, I just I love it, and uh, I stand behind it 100%, Frank. Have a great night. Well, good. You're going to have to give us your wife's review. Thank you, Joe. You know, I disagree, actually, with, uh, with uh, Joe on that. I like Joe a lot, but I disagree. I don't think the Jussie Smollett story is overcovered because here you have someone that manufactured a crime – for political purposes, the political purpose being to make Trump supporters look bad. And you know, if there was a Trump supporting actor, I mean, they're very, you know, like a John Voight or a uh, Scott Bayo or a Joe Piscopo, you know, if there was a Trump supporting celebrity that staged an event to make, say, I don't know, supporters of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez look like they assaulted someone or were racists. You know that story would be front page for for years. So I I don't think the Jussie Smollett story is is overcovered, respectfully. I do think, kind of in line with what uh, Joe is saying, I do think the overall subject of race in America is overcovered. You know, it used to be there were racial issues in the news and then there were other there were it was everything else. Now, everything is a racial issue. You can't have a discussion about anything without it being a racial issue. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda comes out with In the Heights. Well, there's not enough uh, black people in it, uh, hypothetically. Everything, everything's a racial issue. I'm sick of it. I find that the media doing that, it actually causes, it exacerbates racial tensions in the country as far as I'm concerned. Heaven forbid we should just treat people as if they're, they're equal. I, I mean, that would be nice. The other thing, and this is the last one I'll mention, and then I want to hear yours. 800-848-WABC. What story is over, over covered this, this week, this, this day, this hour, whatever the case may be. The other story I find perpetually overcovered, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about politics or something else, poll numbers. Polling, polling, polling. Every day you read the papers. And look, I'm guilty of it too. I did the story earlier about religion and polling. Every day there's a different story citing an opinion poll. Well, I mean, who cares? Is that really news? You know what news is? News is something happened. News is not this is what people's opinion is about something that may happen. So I find that's totally overcovered. I'm not saying don't cover it. I'm just saying don't give it so much coverage. 800-848-9222. Stephen is calling from Kingston. You're calling from Kingston, New York, Stephen? Yes, sir. Ah, That is the very first capital of New York State. That's correct. Uh, (laughs) Congratulations on your newborn. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Thank you. What uh, what story do you think is overcovered? Uh. Booster shots 
they keep talking about booster, 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 booster. Um, I commute every day from upstate New York. I go to the city. I work on skyscrapers. And uh, all I keep hearing is pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. And uh, to be honest with you, if you live outside the five boroughs, it gets a little it's getting a little tiresome. Well, if I, you go outside, I agree you with you. Outside, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, if you come outside the five boroughs and I was born inside the five boroughs, the pandemic is non-existent. It really is. Everybody's going about their lives. Well, look, I agree with you that I'm sick of hearing about this stuff. But the reason I don't think it's overcovered is because they're they're bringing back all these new restrictions. You mentioned life outside the five boroughs. Governor Hochul in New York, she is mandating masks around the whole state in businesses that uh, don't have a vaccine requirement. So it is newsworthy that 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 she's doing that, for instance. And it's also newsworthy that a lot of county executives are choosing not to adhere to that. I'm with you. I'm tired of hearing about the pandemic. I'm tired of talking about the pandemic. I'm tired of having a mask conversation. I'm tired of having a vaccine conversation. I'm with you on all that. But I do think maybe the news media has a point in covering it because so much of it changes from time to time. Uh, Stephen, thanks for the call and thanks for the congratulations. By the way, Stephen, what made you move from the five boroughs to uh, upstate New York? Oh, I've been up here for over uh, 20-some-odd years. Um, I just, uh, (laughs) I love the woods. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. I love you, man. Great show. Thank you. That's nice of you to say. I listen to you every morning, every morning. Wonderful. That's I appreciate it, Stephen. We need 10,000 more like you. Thank you. 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. Bill is in the Bronx. Hello, Bill. Bill, your radio's on, man. All right, Bill's done. Jennifer in Boston, hello. Hey, Frank. Hi, how um, are bless- you? Good, thank you. It's nice to hear you, and blessings to you and Rachel and your uh, little beloved Carmine. Thank you very, very much. Happy. Thank you. Very, very, very happy. So um, I just wanted to say January 6th. January 6th, January 6th. <laughs> I thought you um, might say that, and I agree with you, actually. And, and Giuliani yes. said the same thing yesterday. But tell me tell me why you think this is overcovered. Well, when I look back at the summer of 2020, um, and I look at the amount of deaths, there were dozens of deaths during over 500 riots across this country, billions with a B, and property damage. Um, there were thousands of police officers injured, some permanently in addition to the dozens of deaths around this country, including many, um, as the press likes to say, uh, black and brown people. Um, uh, Captain Dorn, for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, the young man that was killed up in the CHOP zone. Actually, I believe there were two black young men killed up in the the no-CHOP zone or the CHOP zone, the no-low zone up there in Seattle. And uh, it was just crazy. And then you had the... um, when you had Officer Shay Nicolonis out in Las Vegas, talk about Las Vegas, he was on one of the lines, you know, just kind of keeping people in order at one of these. Right. We're hearing very little about the investigations into those deaths. And well, yet he we're, 20... we're hearing wall-to-wall coverage of, of these congressional hearings in, at, yeah, in January that, 6th. That, that, that officer was 29 years old, Shay Nicolonis, and he was shot out of nowhere just standing in that line, you know, keeping people back. And he was paralyzed from the neck down. He can't even breathe. The only thing he could do at one point, he couldn't even breathe on his own. 
So, you know, we don't hear anything about this, but they're so concerned about what happened. Um, you know, a lot of police officers were blinded with lasers and, again, permanent injuries, but they're so concerned about police officers all of a sudden, Frank, and um, terrorism. Well, if you ask me, that's terrorism. You know what happened. So I'm not I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, but if you're going to investigate one, where's the, where the other five going to investigate? You know, uh, Jennifer, I, I completely agree with you. I appreciate the call. Thank you. I, I think she's right. I know people might get upset. Uh, and I'm not defending what happened with January 6th. Uh, on January 6th, you can go back and listen to the podcast of the show we did. We talked about what happened. We covered what happened. Um, and uh, But to her point... Look at the amount of coverage the January 6th incident has gotten as compared to burning down federal buildings or violent rioters or attacks on police officers. I think she's right about that. I'm sorry. 800. I'm not that sorry, actually. 800-848-9222. Victor in North Bergen. What story is overcovered these days? Okay. Yeah, listen. You know, they give the Edward R. Morrow. Um awards every year, prize or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there used to be a time when Edward R. Morrow, who was a real mensch, he was a, he was a true reporter. He reported on the Appalachian poverty, reported on, on the migrant workers and so on. That was coverage. Nowadays, you listen to the 630 News, the network news, and it's, uh, you know, wall-to-wall coverage of the weather. The weather, which oh, is the weather. Amazing. So you think the weather's overcovered? The weather is overcovered, and you know it's kind of like the weather is not really news. If you think about it. news, is when what people do. You Victor, know, it, I, I have to tell you, and I, I agree with you. And again, I, there, I think weather is news when there's news. If there's a blizzard, if there's a flood, if there's a cataclysmic event that's going to disrupt life for people, I think that's news. But do we need to hear about the weather every single day when it could, when one, this information is all available on people's phones. They can know the temperature instantly. And two, so much of it is, it can be covered in 10 seconds. It's going to rain today. It's cold today. It's, you know, I agree with you. I think the weather is overcovered. Right. right. So the thing is that I think the reason why they do that, because there is a reason for everything. I think the reason why they do that it's because it's cheap to cover the weather. You know, the news, I mean, let's face it, uh, the news networks don't make a lot of money. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a big budget. So what they do, they do the cheapest possible thing. They do government stuff, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, they got somebody at the end of the pier with peers with the microphone standing in the wind and the rain. You know, I'm standing at the Florida Keys, you know, well, with you're, the blowing you're, you're wind. You're so right about it. You know, I, look, I think I think you're you're mostly right about that, uh, Victor. Thank you very much. I would just add, you know, my frustration with weather coverage is there's such a desire to make everything the next Hurricane Sandy. So whenever there's a storm, and I've talked about this with Lloyd Lindsay Young when he was on the show, whenever there's a storm of any sort, you have the, the media personalities doing exactly what Victor just described, acting like they're battening down the hatches. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be Hurricane Andrew plus Hurricane Sandy plus Tropical Storm Irma all rolled into one. It's a Frankenstorm. You're right. They they hype these storms up so that you keep watching. As far as um, 
news though go, goes. You're not right in that the news doesn't make a lot of money. You the the cable news networks, the three major ones, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, they don't have a lot of viewers. They attract an average audience of only 4.2 million viewers during prime time, which is when viewership peaks. Meantime, the three nightly news broadcasts together, uh, ABC, CBS, and NBC, they reliably pull in 21.5 million viewers a night. So look, think I'm, I'm going to get into this tomorrow with John Minnelli when he's here. And I may even get into this with Judge Napolitano when he's here because he's got a lot of experience in cable news. Think of what I just said. The three... Broadcast news networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, 21.5 million viewers a night. The three cable news networks, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, 4.2 million viewers on average. Yet, even though the cable news networks don't pull in a lot of viewers, they do make a lot of money. And I think that's one of the reasons... Uh, Fox, MSNBC, and CNN seem to peddle in outrage. I call it pro-wrestling politics. You know, they create one side is the good guy, one side is the bad guy, and let's hype up our side, and let's get people whipped into a frenzy thinking the other side is the enemy, when in actuality that's not the case. But the cable news exists and persists because as small as the audience is, it's a highly profitable business. Pew Research estimates the three cable networks earn a combined $4 billion a year. Think about that. These networks are watched by a fraction of the people that watch the broadcast news uh, telecasts, and yet they're bringing in $4 billion a year. That's an enormous amount of money. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Anthony and Edison. Anthony, what story is overcovered? Uh, I'm really, really, really getting tired of all this electrical vehicle vehicle stuff. Mm. You know, well, for me, it's a combination of electric vehicles and this climate change BS. You know what I mean? This electric this, electric that. The country is not ready to be 100% electric. It's something that has to be phased in. I know for a fact I've heard stories that a guy out there already has a patent on a hydrogen cell vehicles, which are supposed to be even more efficient than electric or gas, but that never gets any coverage. And, you know, uh, Russia, China, India, all these other places that, you know, make us go to these summits and want to punish the United States for all this stuff that we do. And we're the, we're the cleanest country. And I heard when we ship out cars overseas, they don't even have any EPA uh, uh, um, uh, machinery on them. But everything coming into this country has to be choked down, and America is always punished, and I'm tired of it. We're not, we don't have a plane that can get off the ground with battery cells. It would weigh 10 times more than it would take to get the plane off the ground. Well, and Anthony, to, thank you. I, I want to get in with at least one or two other people here. I, I would just add, when it comes to Russia, Russia is not looking to punish the United States for fossil fuel consumption. Russia, one of their primary exports is gasoline and natural gas. They want countries, including the United States, guzzling gas. Uh, they are not looking to punish the United States for gas consumption at all. Uh, and you, you ever go to a, um, a, a Luke Oil 
a Luke Oil station in the United States. Luke Oil is a Russian energy corporation. So you go to Luke Oil, I mean, indirectly, you're helping fund Russia. So Russia has no interest in making sure the U.S. curbs its uh, fossil fuel consumption. 800-848-WABC. Let me say hello to Carol in New Jersey. Carol, what story do you think is overcovered? Oh, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. I mean, every time I go on the Internet, every time they make a peep, every time they show up somewhere, that's all they ever talk about. And Matt Damon has something to say about it. And Jennifer Garner has something to say about it. Uh, it, It's not so much in the papers anymore, but the Internet, it's terrible every single day. There's a new story. You know, that's a, that's a good one. That that actually is a really yeah. good one. And and thank you for the call, Carol. I was listening to Ben Affleck on another radio show yesterday, and it was a pretty interesting interview, I have to say. And he talked about a phase in his career where he couldn't sell movie tickets. He had he was in three bombs in a row and was essentially fired from from being in another movie. And he said I'm at the worst place in my career in that I can't sell movie tickets, but for whatever reason, I can sell tabloids. When they put me in these articles of having a relationship with someone or appearing here or appearing there, the the tabloids still include all this, which has a horrible effect on my life, but I can't do anything professionally that people want to see. He sort of said it was the worst of both worlds. So uh, I think that that um, now Ben Affleck's fortunes have turned around. He is able to sell movie tickets, but he's still tabloid fodder. That is certainly true. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Ron in Michigan. Ron, what story do you think is overcovered? First of all, Frank, let me apologize for swearing yesterday on the radio. All okay. right. Well, I accept your apology, Ron. And, th- and uh, uh, God bless little baby Carmen, too. Thank you. And uh, my- You're welcome. Now, the story I think that's overblown is the uh, storms in, like, Kentucky. All those people, you know, I know it's got hardship, but if they had built bunkers, safety bunkers in their houses, in their whatever, wherever they live, a lot more of them would have survived. Maybe instead of the pickup trucks and the guns that they, that they want to, you know, stockpile on bullets. So, you know, we we're, of course, we're going to help them and everything else. But they voted against infrastructure. They voted against aid. They voted against aid for you when, when you had uh, the hurricane. The Sandy. For, You're right about that. Yeah. You, yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying that they, they, they got what they deserved. But, hey, they don't want to help anybody else. But now they're going to get all the help in the world. OK, but, but instead of guns and, and Bibles, whatever, build your bunkers, build your safety bunkers or get out of town. Well, you know, look, Ron, and thanks for the call, Ron. I, I think, uh, again, I think you're commenting more on the behavior of people rather than news coverage. I don't think the news coverage of these tornadoes is overblown. When you're talking about all these dead Americans, I think that's a very newsworthy story personally. And you're talking, Ron, about uh, one, you're talking about trying to punish people for the behavior of politicians, which I think is unfair. And it sounds like you're sort of taking a shot at the rural culture. Uh, you, you know, your Bibles and guns. 
um, and instead of building bunkers. Well, the two aren't mutually exclusive. You can want a safe house to live in and a secure basement to take refuge from a tornado and still believe that you have a Second Amendment right for hunting or for self-defense or whatever the case may be. 800-848-9222. We'll do one more of these. David is in Rockland County. David, what story do you think is overcovered? Guns in America, violence. You think violence in America is overcovered? Yeah. Okay, well, how come? So uh, this week, for instance, we, we saw that a dozen cities set new records for gun violence this year. You don't think that that's newsworthy? Um, yes. Okay, well, so tell me why you think it's overcovered. That is, that they say that that the guns are causing it and not the people. All right, David. Thank you. I, I, it sounds like we we woke you up in the middle of something, so uh, we don't want to we don't want to disturb the um, cascade blah, towards blah, blah, dreamland. Blah, blah. That's good. Let me hear that again. Uh, let me hear blah, that again. Blah 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 blah. That blah. actually was far more energetic than David was. I would have much rather heard a call from uh, from uh, Greta Thunberg. All right. We are going to give you, boy, that was just draining. Just, David was like an energy vampire. Blah, I, blah, blah, I instantly blah, became blah, blah. tired listening to that call. I, I, I was, I was rambunctious and full of energy for three and a half hours until David. It's like, I've gone from being the, um, the micro machine guy, you know, that guy that used to speak fast to Mr. Rogers. So, uh, all right. Yes, moment. Sorry. What did you say? I was just going to tell you that dog food must have worn off. Ah, well, that, that's funny. Uh, go hang out with David, Molly. <laughs> All right, 800-848-WABC if you want to be the seventh caller to try and play the $1,000 minute. If you want to answer 10 questions in 60 seconds, you can uh, be the proud recipient of $1,000. 800-848-9222, 7th caller. And what we're going to do as not only some listeners have suggested, but also our first lady, Margot Katsimatidis, if you get all 10 questions right, we're going to give you $1,000. If you get nine questions right, we're going to give you 500 bucks. If you get eight questions right, we're going to give you 250 bucks. Um, I think that's pretty fair. Okay. That's a lot of opportunities to win money. So, 800-848-9222 to be the seventh caller to play the $1,000 minute. W-A-B-C. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman made the children laugh and play. Were they surprised before their The great Gene Autry singing Frosty the Snowman. Gene Autry, by the way, is the only entertainer to have all five stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's right. He has one each for radio, recording, motion pictures, television, and live performances. Hey, meantime, I just learned something. Apparently, you know, I was just reprimanding our phone screener, Pete, for putting on such a boring caller with David. And it turns out, I've been thinking his name is Pete for the last three and a half hours, 
And, um, and I think I even called him Pete several times on air and certainly off air. Turns out his name's not even Pete. It's, it's, it's Phil. So I apologize, Phil. It's all right. Mistakes happen. You do look like a Pete, though. I have to be honest. Well, I mean, I don't get to choose my name. I kind of just. just Are you a Philip? I am a Philip, yeah. Philip. It's spelled differently. So How do you spell it? It's with an F. F I L I P. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I've, I've been on some emails with you. Yeah. It's no wonder, you know, I was sending all sorts of emails your way and you seemed to come, come kind of un, unreactive to them. So <laughs> it's no wonder I was sending somebody named Pete. And uh, here you are, Philip, not responding. I can't be mad at you for not responding. All right. Well, um, now I feel a little bit a, a little bit bad about about reprimanding you for all the boring callers that you've been putting through. But uh, hopefully that will all change with with the other Thank side you. of midnight presents. It's the thousand dollar minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Moore. Ah, yes. Uh, it is time for the $1,000 Minute. 10 questions in 60 seconds. Answer all 10 right, you will win $1,000. Answer 9 correct, you will win $500. Answer 8 correct, you will win $250. Uh, let's meet today's contestant, Joe in Howard Beach. I originally thought Joe was just calling back to finish his Mario Cuomo softball story from yesterday's Dominic Carter program, but here he is ready to win some money. Hello there, Joe. Yeah, that's funny, that story I told, huh? I, well, we have very different definitions of humor, if that's the case, Joe. All right, you ready to win some money? Sure. All right. Now, Joe, we're all rooting for you. I know you've you've had a tough time. You've talked before about it. You've been diagnosed with cancer and uh, you listen to this radio station. So believe me when I tell you, everybody listening is rooting for you. So um, I don't. These are easy questions. The trick is to not get nervous and to just think about the question and answer it. And then once you answer the question, I'm, if you answer it correctly, I'm going to move on to the next one. You're clear on the rules, Joe. Yeah. Okay, ready. All right, uh, let's get started. How do you spell cat? C-A-T. Who is on the $100 bill? Uh, uh, Hamilton. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Joe. It's Benjamin Franklin is on the uh, $100 bill. Um, all right, Philip, if you would uh, grab Joe's information and uh, we'll, we'll send him a complimentary baseball cap. It's the least we could do and help with his convalescence. I um, I thought that was a pretty easy question. Who's on the hundred dollar bill? You know, I guess different strokes for different folks. Uh, speaking of money, if you want to save money on a terrific product, then do yourself a favor and go to the website getthetea.com and use the promo code FRANK. If you go to getthetea.com, you could get some great life change tea. It is a gentle daily cleanse endorsed, by the way, by Joe from Ronkonkoma, and it works great. It really gets things moving. It's only available by logging on to the website getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. And if you use the promo code Frank, you will get to enjoy free shipping anywhere in these United States. It's getthetea.com. Promo code Frank. 
Free shipping anywhere in these United States. Feel relief while you're there. Check out all their other great products designed for your optimum health. Don't miss out. Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. It is the tea that makes you go. By the way, just in my defense uh, for Pete Gate, uh, I do want to say at 2.12, I asked Molly, do you know our telephone talent coordinator's name? Her response, Pete. So... Of course, I'm going to assume that she's telling me the truth. She didn't say, I'm not sure. She didn't say, I think it's Pete. She said Pete with certitude. So I feel misled by Molly. I wouldn't have committed to a Pete if I had gotten, if there was an asterisk, you know, around this place. If someone's not named Matt, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. All right. 800-848-WABC. If you want to talk to Philip with an F. Uh, very interesting spelling, but we wish him the best. 800-848-9222. All right. I am working, as I said, on this New Year's Eve Eve uh, email. This is a mammoth email. So far, it's double-spaced. It is 11 pages and about 3,400 words. And there are books that are shorter than this email. But uh, if you want to get this email invitation to uh, my New Year's Eve Eve party, just email me. I'll throw you on my list. Uh, uh, Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's Frank.Morano at WABCRadio.com. Meantime, I got a very disturbing text message yesterday. And if you want to text message me, you can do so. 816-8-MORANO. I told you on Monday or Tuesday how... I was at a party recently, a Christmas party, and they were auctioning off. They had a silent auction, shh, silent auction, where they were auctioning off a table at Rayo's. And, you know, I had a, a couple of uh, glasses of uh, bourbon in me. So I said, what the heck? It might be fun to bid on that. So I bid a lot of money, and I didn't realize at the time it was just for the reservation at Rayo's. I thought it was for dinner at Rayo's. So I bid on this an enormous amount of money. I don't want to get into how much it was, but it was far more than I can afford, and it would be an amount that my wife would just flip out at if if I told the truth about what it was. So then I was relieved because I thought I lost this bid. I thought somebody else outbid me. So I get an SMS text message from the executive director of the organization who was auctioning this off. And he said, hey, Frank, I want to make sure you got my email. I've been hearing from some people that it's on the fritz. You won the table at Rayo's for January 4th. And now I'm just panicked because I don't have this amount of money to, to fork over right away. And I want time now to think about what I'm going to do with this table. And I said, well, Anthony, I uh, I didn't hear from you. Didn't get your email, which is true. I didn't hear from you. So I made other plans for January 4th. I, I can't make it. So maybe give it to the next person who, who won. And I said, I'm happy to take it in the future. He says, well, I can give you a table on April 19th for that same amount of money. And at this point, uh, you know, I, I, I felt a little dumb. I said, OK, all right, fine. So I have to fork over this mammoth amount of money for the right to have a reservation on April 19th. And so now I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this table, right? And I have a few options. One, I could I could eat it, pardon the pun, and just pay this money and then 
choose four or five interesting people to join me at Rayo's that night. Okay, that's option one. Option two is I could uh, auction off this like a speculator. I could try and sell my table to somebody else, right? I could try and get, let's say, $2,500 for my reservation because it is a hot item. I remember when I went to dinner at Rayo's uh, with uh, Geraldo and Arthur Idala, who's, by the way, going to be on the Bernie and Sid show today. Geraldo said he wanted to go to Rayo's for his daughter's birthday, and he was willing to pay big money, like thousands, just for the table. So maybe I could sell it to somebody like Geraldo, uh, or I can try and maybe split it with somebody. My friend Lauren said if I wanted to split it with her, we would split all the costs. Then it's not so onerous. And, you know, Lauren's husband's kind of wealthy. So chances are if I take her and her husband to that dinner, not only does she split the cost of what the table costs, but maybe we can get the husband to buy dinner that night. Or um, so I guess those are my three options. I take the table for myself or, or I could gift it to somebody. If I want to make a grand gesture of a gift to someone, like my parents uh, for a Christmas present, or if somebody has an upcoming a wedding present, I could I could gift it to somebody. So I guess those are my four options: keep the table for myself and sell and uh, spend the money, uh, or sell it to someone else and maybe make some money, split the cost with my friend Lauren and go, or I could uh, gift it to someone. Those are my options. I think what I, what's going to determine – so I'm going to be returning to Atlantic City on um, December 30th, and I've had a very good year gambling-wise. Almost every trip that I've made to a casino this year, I've, I've won. I, I think I lost two or three times. But other than that, I won a fair amount of money each time I went. I don't like to brag because I don't like to brag about my losses either. So I think maybe what I'm going to do – is allow my gambling winnings or losses on New Year's Eve Eve to determine what I do with this Rayo's table. I think if I win over, let's say, if I win over $2,200, I'll keep the table. And I'll use my winnings towards paying for this, this reservation. If I don't win $2,200 or more, then I'll try and sell it to someone else. That's where I think I'm going to go here. That's what I'm doing. That's my plan at the moment. But I'm glad I got to kick the can down the road a little bit to April to figure out what the situation is here. So so that's that. Um, by, by the way, I don't mean to laugh, but I saw this headline where – you remember that drone strike in Afghanistan – that we, the American military, under the leadership of the commander-in-chief, uh, Joe Biden, went underwent because they were trying to save face because of the disaster that happened in Afghanistan. This killed 10 civilians, including seven children. Now, the headline this week, no U.S. troops will be punished for deadly Kabul strike, according to the Pentagon chief, the military initially defended the strike, which killed 10 civilians, including seven children. Now they're calling it a tragic mistake. So no military personnel involved in this botched drone strike that killed 10 civilians is going to face any kind of punishment. Now, 
I, I'm not being facetious here. If you're going to kill 10 innocent people, including seven children, shouldn't someone be punished for that? Something? I'm not saying you throw them in jail, although there is a certain justice there. I'm not saying you uh, ship them off to the gulag. But how about you dock them a day's pay? How about they get a public rebuke? Shouldn't there be some sort of penalty for killing seven innocent children? I think so. But again, maybe that's why I'm not the Secretary of Defense. All right. Um, 800-848-9222. I just got an SMS text message from my mom who is perpetually worried that I'm spending too much money. And uh, she said... You got to get rid of that table. You got to sell that table. No one wants that table. Think of baby Carmine. Well, perhaps I should not take that table, not for financial reasons, but for food reasons, because the food at Rayo's is great. It's great. All the pasta is homemade. The sauce is out of this world. It's great. And... Perhaps it's my indulgence in things like homemade pasta that have led to my less than impressive physique. And that is precisely why I am going to reach out to Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center after the new year. Because these guys are experts when it comes to helping you slim down. Look at the great job they've done with Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly has gone from looking like Porky Pig to looking like an Adonis. The guy looks phenomenal. The guy is chiseled. The guy looks like he's ready for combat now. And he owes it all to the Skinny Center in Westchester County and Mitch Suss. And that's how I'm going to look. Forget about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be challenging Greg Kelly uh, to foot races. And if you want to get slim and look your best and be healthier, like Greg Kelly already is and like I will be, then reach out to the Mitch Suss and the Skinny Center. They're at 914-703-4811. That's 703-4811, area code 914. I'll give it to you one more time. 914-703-4811 or go to skinnycenter.com. That's com. They have a natural process. That's catered to your unique needs. The skinnycenter.com, 914-703-4811. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. 
And it now is your opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. 1-800-848-9222. We have three open lines, and uh, there's one line that's occupied by a person that says, don't take. So if that person gets the hint and hangs up, we'll have a fourth line opened up as well. 800-848-WABC if you want to be heard for 15 seconds, because it's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Let me begin with Roger in Massachusetts. Hello, Roger. Yeah. What was the name of that Brenda Lee Christmas song you did early on? I want to lasso Santa Claus. 1-800-848-9222. Joe on Staten Island. Hello, Joe. Thank you, Joe. I think that's the average intelligence of many of that person's listeners. Henry in Manhattan, hello. Hi. Uh, Every once in a while, the uh, issue of horses in Central Park comes up. I think there should be only one basis for deciding. That is, taking a vote of 25-year-olds at Columbus Circle, 10 from New York and 10 from out of town. 800-848-9222. Al is calling from Manhattan. Hello, Al. Hi, Mr. Morano. I really have a public service announcement. But on Friday, 11,000 homes are going to be tax liens. You owe 5000 bucks. 18 months later, that company... Can sell your house, and not for the five thousand, but five hundred thousand. They own it. City's got a hundred billion coming from the feds. They should stop this medieval practice. People, uh, minorities, and poor people and elderly are losing their life savings in their homes. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Tom is in the Bronx. Yes, uh, Frank. I hope you don't get on any spaceships or anything. You got your family to worry about. That's all I've got to say. 800-848-WABC, Mike in New Jersey. Good morning, Frank. Frank, we know that you know Juliet, my Juliet. Where for art thou, Juliet? 800-848-9222, Lou is in the Bronx. Yeah, uh, why don't you do a Phil Harris Jingle Bells song? I think you'll get a good laugh out of it. 800-848-9222, Raji is in New York City. Currently, 35% New York City voters being Hispanic, plus 8 million Hispanic non-citizens in the United States who could come and reside here 30 days and vote. Uh, other candidates would have no chance at all. 800-848-9222. Steve from the White House. Hello, Steve. Sins moron. Sins moron. Thank you, Steve. All right. Why don't we end things there for today? Hey, uh, tomorrow, I'm very excited about tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's Friday already. Uh, I'm very excited about Friday in general. I am uh, meeting some friends for cigars tomorrow afternoon. But my wife said she wants me to come back to our hometown to help her with the baby, which I'm happy to do. And then I, that means I have to come back into Manhattan, which I hate to do. I hate to make two trips into Manhattan in the same day, but it is what it is. But tomorrow's show is going to be something. We're going to do Ask Frank Anything in the first hour. John Minnelli, the former program director of uh, WABC, is going to be here. We got denunciations. 
And uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano, former New Jersey Superior Court judge, is going to be here as well. I have some other stories that uh, I haven't shared with you this week yet that I, I think are going to knock your socks off. And uh, hopefully the exciting conclusion of my New Year's Eve Eve email. The uh, 77 WABC Early News with Frank Diaz is next. So you don't like sitting there, Frank. You prefer sitting here, I guess. I, just, it's, it's a, uh, I, don't know. I could see more of you could everything. S- you could see more of everything. All right. Well, I understand. I like sitting here. Here too, obviously, it's just uh, it's an interesting choice to, like to give Sid Rosenberg a seat right. It's an interesting choice to just stand over and hover, but uh, it is what it is. All right, well, there's a lot of great news coming your way. I'll be listening. You got traffic and transit on the sevens with Joe Nolan. You got weather. There's somebody here that's doing sports. I don't want to say his name because I'm afraid I'll call him Pete when his name's not actually Pete. The 77 WABC early news is next. Stay in touch with me on Twitter at Frank Morano. Frank Moreno, good day.